Olav Dopey in all of its manifestations, the podcast, the social media, the Zoom Foundation and Nation. I love the tales of addiction, recovery and dumb shit. I love every bit of the humorous debauchery and debaucherous humour. I love the friendships that I've formed. I love how the dates who have passed are remembered and honoured. Toodles for Chris. I love knowing that I am part of something that's making a difference. I love the wise-cracking silliness that can turn on a dime to compassionate, wise advice whenever needed. I love the junkies, the normies, the alcoholics, the gamblers, the tweakers, the stoners, the trippers, the freaks, the geeks, the degenerates, the debauched, the damned, the demented, the helpers, the self-harmers, the harm reductionists, the twelve-steppers, the overeaters, the undereaters, the rotten, the forgotten, the butt-pluggers, the pickleballers, the religious, the spiritual, the agnostics, the atheists, the crazed, the recovered, recovering, still struggling, still in action, and the dearly departed loved one dopes. Toodles to Chris, I love dopey. You feel like no one understands your affliction. When you feel like no one's home, so alone in your addiction. Well, if you did a little left and put your headphones on and walk to the right. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our very good friends at Oro Recovery. It's located in sunny Southern California. It was founded by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, their plan, to create a treatment center that helps addicts and alcoholics by using compassion and connection instead of control. Their staff has decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. Connection and compassion are great ways to deal with affliction and addiction. So if you're fucked and you're looking for a place to go, I have to suggest Oro. Everyone that I know that has been to Oro only said good things, and I would never say that if it wasn't true. If I was to relapse, that would be where I would go, 100%. They have amenities you wouldn't believe, fucking sound bath meditation, equine therapy, surfing, and of course, the spiritually potentially transformative sweat lodge. Have you ever been to a sweat lodge? Spiritually transformative, I have to say. They're fucking detox is 
incredibly effective and you detox as comfortable as you ever could detox. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California to get help, I totally suggest going to Oro. Check them out at ororecovery.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Buddy. Sober Buddy is an amazing sober platform. It started as an app and now it is a platform. What's a platform? It's a, pl a place that you can go online and connect with addicts and alcoholics. They do, I think, 12 Zooms a week. I host a Sober Buddy Zoom on Wednesdays. It's actually incredibly inspiring and amazing. Sober Buddy is, is very inexpensive for the month. I think it costs the same as you might spend on two coffees. And it's a lot of support. And it's a lot of fellowship. And it's actually fun. So if you want to check out Sober Buddy, you go to YourSoberBuddy.com or go to the App Store or the Google Play Store. Get Sober Buddy. If you want to check it out, there is a free trial and it is totally, it's totally fun. I totally suggest checking it out. And I wouldn't say totally this many times if I didn't mean it. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. It's tax time, everybody. Do you have an accountant? I have to suggest Evolution Accounting and Consulting. Eric and the team over there want to help you. They know what they're doing. Their dream is to help entrepreneurs, business owners focus on what they love so that Eric and the team at Evolution Accounting and Consulting can do what they do, which is take care of business. Eric and the team at Evolution Accounting and Consulting is a full-service accounting firm. They do everything from taxes to bookkeeping, payroll, and any other business need you might have. Perhaps the most important thing, though, is that Eric is a fucking crackhead. Fortunately, he's been in recovery for years, so he knows the struggle as well as the success. Use the promo code DOPEY when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com. Again, the dopey code will get you special discounts. It's tax time. Get in touch with Evolution. This week's episode of Dopey also wouldn't be possible without the love and support from this amazing man named Nat and his incredible podcast called Recovery in the Middle Ages. It's a podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. Listen as they discuss current topics of interest to the recovery community, including 12-step recovery. Sometimes they talk about dopey. Sometimes they talk about medical research, books. It's about recovery. They cover it. And their daily struggle to maintain their recovery and, and anonymity in the world of soccer moms and PTA meetings. If the neighbors only knew, check them out at Recovery in the Middle Ages. Dot com, or I think they also have middleagesrecovery.com. And of course, they're available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by the Phoenix. What is the Phoenix? It's an incredible organization that helps addicts and alcoholics in recovery. Their mission is fun, fun, fun. That's all they care about. Addicts and alcoholics in recovery coming together and trying to have fun whether it's a class at the gym, a concert, 
Dopey is super excited, and, and I speak on behalf of Dopey. I am super excited to work with the Phoenix. If you have two days clean or sober, you are eligible to go to a class with the Phoenix. Check them out at thephoenix.org slash class or at thephoenix.org slash movement. We are doing a lot of stuff with them. We're going to do a Zoom with them soon. I think we're going to do a huge event in New Orleans, which I'm super excited about. And I'm going to reluctantly go CrossFit training in Brooklyn with Chris Spalina from the Phoenix. So check out thephoenix.org slash movement. You will be happy that you did. And one more time, the Phoenix is free. So you might be annoyed that you're listening to this ad, but these are things that you can pursue for nothing to enrich your life. So check out that stuff. And now enough with the ads. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and other dumb shit. My name is Dave. I am in my dining room with, you know who, Fentanyl J, right back at you. How you feeling, Jay? I'm feeling good. You're I feeling- wish we had the soundboard for the fucking claps. I, you know, I don't want to get into the technical reason right. of why we're not using it. Okay. This is a much safer way to do the show. Okay, safer. Now, Jay. I'm all about safety. If, if anyone knows anything about you, here, what are the highlights about you? If someone's never heard Dopey before, never. what do they need to know about you to know the story? The story? Yes. Oh, God. What do they need to or know about, about you, me? you, you. It's What is today? Today's March 8th. What do people <laughs> need to know about Jay, a.k.a. Fentanyl Jay, March 8th, 2023? That I am like a mushroom. Do you watch the show The Last I'm of Us? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> Do you watch The Last of Us? Uh, no. Oh, Jay. Is it a must? It's a must. I've been watching Snowfall. Have you watched that? No, it's but I, all about smoking crack. The Last of Us is all about a, a zombie apocalypse. Okay, brought out because ants, right? Some ants, when they eat some mushrooms, they ants. turn cannibalistic, and somehow the virus mutates into the humans. They become mushrooms, and they attack no and they eat you wait this show is fucking the greatest but that's not what we're not talking about. wait wait what? they become mushroom zombies mushroom zombies and they bite you Are and they then you growing mushrooms on their skin yeah and literally their heads become mushrooms literally they're terrifying this is a cartoon or this is real life hbo hbo it's put the, this out it's the thing it's actually based on a video game i understand hbo put this out you have to see it but let's get back to you're a fun guy. I thought I figured that was a Last of Us reference, but no. You're a fun guy. I'm going to do it for you. All right, yeah, go I don't ahead. trust you to do this. I'm not good. Jay <laughs> is a horrible drug addict yeah. uh, from this town that we're in right now. Shout out to Sayville. Shout out to Sayville. Did you hear my dad shout you out on the show? No, by the way? fuck no. What do you mean? At the end of the ep- last, the 400th episode, fuck. you were not around because you were in the middle of the relapse that we're about to go yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, Just, yeah. We're, I don't want to rush with that. <laughs> but I asked my dad how to, because I, I had you on the show all the time, yeah. kind of in my dad's spot, the finishing spot. Oh, really? And I said, Dad, what do you think about Fentanyl J in your spot? And oh, goes, fuck. Did he, I take Al's spot, dude? Well, he was in Antarctica. Okay. He says, oh, yeah. 
well, I don't like that he sells fentanyl. And I said, Dad, he hasn't sold fentanyl in years. And he goes, really? And I said, yes, really. And I had to explain that you stopped selling fentanyl mm-hmm. years ago. How many years has it been? I'm going on two. So maybe Fentanyl J like isn't a, a year, good name for like you Like a year and eight months. You maybe know? he used to sell fentanyl. Maybe x Fetty J. I don't know, XF. Yeah, we'll I, figure it I, out. The, the name fentanyl is Fentanyl just rolls, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds good. Anyway, and then my dad, after he understood what I was saying, because I once worked for a guy who said to me, once a junkie, always a junkie. True. Which bothered my dad. Whatever, I'm but sure he would. But saying once a fentanyl dealer, always, always a fentanyl. Always a fentanyl. Oh, did you flip that yeah, on him? Yeah, I did. Fuck and, yeah. And then he said, okay, Jay seems very sweet. In fact, shout out to Fentanyl Oh, Jay. fuck, my heart just fucking turned pink and purple. Bro. Sung. Anyway, Jay was an addict. Jay was a horrible drug dealer. Jay got busted. Mm-hmm. Jay got sober. I wasn't a horrible drug dealer. I mean, you were a, a, you dealt a lot of drugs. Yeah. Horrible drug dealer, meaning a, a very proficient drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. You were horribly proficient. <laughs> so fucking he got God busted. Busted. Fucking went on a terrible. Went on a tear, a fucking tear. Ripped it real hard. Fucking had the ankle monitor on. Fucking snipped it off. Got my fucking everywhere. Got raided. Got everything fucking impounded. Fucking everything's in evidence right now. If I'm innocent, I can get it back. You're not. Are you innocent? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. So then I fucking went. Fucking lawyers are like, dude, you're fried. Because then I had cases over in New York now, cases over here, cases in Florida, in, in Florida Ohio. cases in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking fried all over the country now. And uh, he's Florida's like- Florida's taking care of Florida right? took care of business. New York? Took care of business. So all that's left- Is Ohio. Is Ohio. Yep. And, well, no, I took care of business everywhere. I had a case in California. But that's also done. took care of business. Ohio's the last case pending. Yep. Jay- relapsed so badly that he sold his exclusive supreme t-shirt collection yeah, yep, yep. and i can't imagine the sneakers the supreme probably- hoodie was gone the fucking designers were fucked everything that i that didn't get stolen basically i and then and then i ran up all my credit cards and uh yeah i fucking which you still haven't paid no i still owe no. sorry <laughs> i hope they're not listening yeah i still owe them <laughs> shout out to mastercard <laughs> um but then Jay dragged himself to 12 step, yep. got sober for 10 months, yep. got a job slinging tacos, yep. hooked up with some nice young women, yep. developed a life, yep. and then decided he could drink like a normal person. Yep. <laughs> then he realized he could not drink like a normal person. He said, I'm going to do 30 days of drinking, and then in I'm going to start yep. sobriety in January. Yep. And how far did you make it? I made it the very first day. I fucked it up. But after that. Yes. After that, yeah. I probably made it, I don't know, what month are we in now? March. <laughs> oh, shit. I think you made it maybe, to the beginning of February. Maybe 30 days, yeah. Because it started th- like the first, and then I made it maybe 30 days. And then I started drinking again. And this this week hit me hard. This week, I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? So I went away. I went to Los Angeles. I fucking drank every single day. Hold on. Before we get into the drunkalog of your Los yeah, Angelino yeah. trip... I want to, there's something that's important to me. Oh, shit. Which is when you get 30 days, it's a thing. Yeah. But you're not doing a program. No. So it's hard. It's just totally based on your will. It wasn't even like a, it was like if I was doing a program, it would have been like a thing. Like, oh, 30 days, you know? But like, since I wasn't really doing anything, it wasn't really a thing. It was just You were a balloon and you didn't have a lot of fucking anchors planted into the ground. There it is. And then you floated away. I flew off. But like when you finally were like 30 days, I don't care. Yep. So I want to go into that. 
at one well really well 30 days of drinking in december fucking got me thinking that i need to stop real bad you know because i knew i was gonna stop yeah i knew i want to stop yeah so i'm like oh shit now i gotta stop so once i stopped for 30 days i was like wow look what i just did like i could I can do this. I can do that. I can do it when I want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Maybe I, I don't. Maybe I'm not afflicted. Maybe. Yeah, it's yes. possible. I'm normal. Right. You know. <laughs> okay. Normal. You people. might be. You might be normal. top five least normal people I've ever come across, <laughs> which is a good thing, though. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Normal You're, people, fucking. You know. Do normal things. You know. I don't. I haven't done many normal things. You know. Not many. Crack in the neck. You know, crack in the neck, meaning shooting crack, shooting crack into my neck for funsies daily. When was the last time you shot crack in the neck? Oh, probably like four years ago, five years, ago, four years ago, five years ago. I want us to slow down, though, because you get too excited. I'm mad excited. I want to tap into your emotions. All right. Hit me with emotional shit. I know that you're scared of what's coming. Yeah, I'm scared of what's coming. We don't know what's coming, which which mean with sentencing around. The fentanyl bust. You decided you wanted to get clean, and um, you got clean. Yeah. And then you decided that you couldn't. You didn't really want to be clean. How much of it do you think was fear around this upcoming sentence? Oh, some of it is, but it's so. Split. I know, dude. You're fucking out of touch with yourself. It's so. You split. want to go nuts right now? Yeah, I want to go but nuts. But then again, right. I also want to fucking chill because I want to be right. Like I, you know, it's I'm I'm very split. I'm very split, but I know what the better I know the the better thing to do is. You know what I'm saying? Like I know, that? and I that's to fucking get my head right and get my body right and get physically, spiritually, mentally fucking a one. And you can't do that when you're fucking drinking, drinking and drugging and doing shit like that. You can't. It just can't. Because even when I was sober for however long, ten months, I was fucking synced up, bro. My fucking brain to my fucking mouth for the most part to my heart for the most part was all in sync like it was all operating functionally it was all functioning at a high level all of it together you know i was fucking best Probably shape of my maybe life the first time you ever were ever before. right ever and you were and you had these moments where you'd be like what like kind of like what am i gonna do when i grow up I fucked everything up, yep. but, I, but maybe I have a chance. And then you would you kind of hate on yourself at the yeah. same time. And it's then sink. it's like all these opportunities to make cash, to fuck around with women, to have fun, to be yep. normal, to yep. be normal, to be really. normal. That's it. And that and that was and you took it. The question is this: How much do you? Because th- like obviously, after the thirty days of drinking, you're like, I'm gonna hit the gym like a fiend. Yep. And you did that. Yep. And and you did you did not use, but yep. but you didn't get any kind of program. Yeah. So like, where are you at? Well, I didn't do any kind of like like not even just a program. I didn't do anything. I want to get to where you're at now. Mm-hmm. What are you willing to do? Oh, you said. I mean, you were supposed to get sober today, and you've been sober today. So thus far, yes. But what did you say to me on the phone? I said, tonight, I'm fucking going hard. It's my last hurrah. And you know what's fucked up? Because after we got off the phone, I was like, you know what? I've said that before. Of course you have. About other things. Of course you have. About everything. That that didn't end up being the last hurrah. And actually, I'm pretty sure my last hurrah was fucking not even a hurrah. It was like a fucking, uh, you know? And it will be tonight. Yeah. But I like the way you say hurrah. Yeah, hurrah. Yeah. And I think what you said before is the last kiss goodnight. Yeah, yeah, kiss goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very romantic. Yeah, yeah, I have to sensualize this, you know? Now, do you want to hear the email I got? No. You don't. No, it's <laughs> okay. not bad. Okay, all right, nice. all right, all right. All right. 
Dear Dave, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate the Dopey Podcast. I listen to it every day. Damn. When at work. Shout and out I, to you. And I, too, am a big fan of Good you and Fentanyl J. You were worried it was going to be negative. Wow. That's why you started talking shit as soon as... All right. Knock he sounds bunch. like me a year ago, and uh, it sounds like him and I would have been best friends, so shout out to him. Fuck yeah. What's this guy's name? We'll get there. All right. Turns out the last guy we mentioned, I had to take his name out of the show. Wow. I'm a, don't, you might even remember his name. He had a weird name, and we had to take his name out of the show because he didn't want to... The guy with the ounce of heroin guy. Oh, him. Okay, here we go. Anyway... So shout out to Fentanyl J. Anyway, I recently heard you speak about Elmira, New York prison, and I had the delightful opportunity of growing up in that shithole of a town. It's full of violence and drugs. Also, nice. everything the dude speaking the other day on the bus, stay in Elmira in the camp on Seneca Lake, everything he said was 100% true. I spent the first 18 years of my life in that town bouncing around from rehab to rehab. Matter of fact... I like how people start sentences. Matter of fact, matter it's of, very scholarly. I like the, no, no, but I, on the street you say, matter of fact. <laughs> you know? Matter of fact, my dad actually was a prison guard in the reception center of that prison oh, for fuck. over 25 years. I am about 10 and a half months sober off all drugs and alcohol. Mm. And I'm currently living in a sober living outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Mm. Somers Point, to be exact. Now, let me get into my dopey story. Back when I was about 16 years old, I'm 21 now, my best friend Maxie and I were taking a bunch of Xanax and smoking weed at the ski house near Buffalo, New York. At about 3 a.m., we decided it was a good idea to climb up the mountain and go for a nighttime run down the slope while mm. extremely fucked up. Not sure what compelled us to do this, but we did. We made it all the way to the top and strapped up our skis, and just as that was happening, a worker on a snowmobile pulled up and started screaming at us. Naturally, we flew down the hill as fast as we could, making it all the way to the bottom where my friend kept gliding across the heavy sheets of two-foot-deep powder mm. where I got stuck in it and fell. Mm. The next thing I know... You're a skier, right, Jay? I'm a skier, snowboarder. Either I shred. Way. Okay. Next thing I know, the man on the snowmobile comes flying up and jumps off the snowmobile and gets on the radio telling someone to call the state troopers. I have a trespasser here that I caught and his friend is nowhere to be found. He then starts poking me in the chest oh. as hard as he can, saying that I made a huge mistake and that I'm going to jail if I don't tell him where my friend went. I try to beg and plead with him, let him know that I'm just a kid, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Next thing I know, over the man's shoulder who was screaming in my face about 100 yards back, I see my best friend recording me and waving his hands to run. Me being a quick thinker, I am with my skis, I'm sorry. I throw them at the man as hard as I can oh, and make a run for it. Nice, nice, And manage nice. to slip away with, a, with about a two-mile run back to, my house, to his house. The next day we wake up, and I'm shit out of luck to go skiing because they took my skis. We had to call the office to get my skis back and turn ourselves in. Oh. The man working that day told us to come down and have a talk with him, and I can't have my skis back. That's a fucking trap. For sure. Sounds like a setup to me. We walk in and the two men sit us down and start dying laughing because they say the man who was screaming at us really is an asshole and that they that they gave everyone else who worked there a good laugh. So we pretty much left unscathed. Wow. Other than the fact that the man snapped my ski poles over his knee out of anger because he was so angry, a couple of kids got the best of him. Uh, this story, in my opinion, is truly the definition of a dopey story. Sure. And it's my favorite memory with my best friend, Maxie, who has since passed away. R.I.P. Maxie. Yeah. I hope you get this. And if you, you, and it's okay to use my name. Orion. 
P.S. You ready for this? This is bittersweet. All right, let's hear it. I definitely plan to write Jay if he goes away. And every time I go to McDonald's and ask for cookies, I tell them they better be <laughs> fucking warmed up. He knows the deal. God bless. Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. So, I mean, now let's get back to the point. I appreciate that story. Me too. I'd like more drugs the in the traditional dopey, dopey, dopey story, but poor Maxie died. So we'll, we'll, let, we'll let that pass. They were doing coke and shit, I think, right? And yeah. Xanax and the Vans. Yeah. yeah, they were fucking it's fine. doing it's fine. it up. And, and I just like it because it's about you. I yeah. wanted to share Aww. a nice story about you. It's a nice one. Here we are. It's March. Yep. Your concern, what we've said over and over and over, is it's either April or May. April, May, maybe June. Really, June? When does it run out? So it's two years from my last court date. And the last court date was? Was a few months or so, a few weeks, months, some, I don't know, it was all fuzzy. But when I got arrested, you know, I get the fucking- So you hearing. have no idea. It's in those couple, it's in this little span Could right here. Could it be July? I don't think so. No, I was home. I was definitely fucking back in New York. But then when I came back to New York, it was fucked because then, you know, I came home and my shit got raided and I turned. Yeah. So because it was so many jail stays in, in this time. And that you I, were so high. And I was and high. Coming down. And, and fucking. Sick. Exactly. I was fucking. It was all. It's all a fucking cloud. I remember the fucking day that. I thought the cloud lift. It didn't. But I remember the day I, I was like fucking, you know, when you're coming off drugs, like from doing drugs for years and like you're looking around and you're like what the fuck like what's where am i like my fucking my i couldn't even speak sense as well i swear to god like i i could speak but like my brain was not fucking communicating with my mouth well like it wasn't getting out so i remember the day that i was like oh shit like is this fucking normal i remember that that, that was a side story but i remember feeling feeling that like oh shit like i'm like i was fucked up like you know like, well it's like you it. know what it's like uh you know, like when your yard fills with snow mm -hmm. and you get used to it mm -hmm. and like that's how it looks. And then all of a sudden the first time it's gone, you're like, like oh shit, I have a yard or yeah, like, yeah. it happened? looks like this or a flood what and happened? the water goes back. And that's what it's like. Yeah. You know, everything shifts. It's and you're, true. But so listen, I, I'm listen, I've had April circled in my mind this whole me year. Too. I'm, I'm, me too. Like April, May. So that's that's got to be it. Because then I came home and then my ha my apartment got right here and I had to turn myself in here. So it was a lot of jail and a lot of fucking coming off of drugs and a lot of being on drugs in between. So it was all very fuzzy. But I think it's April or May. I know I got arrested the day after my dad. Yeah, so it was April or May. So this is what I want to know. Like there's nothing we know that we cannot, and that's just Jay vaping, desperately sucking the end of this jewel. fiend. It's not a jewel, Dave. It's what is fucking it? grape flavored. What is that? It's a fucking Caliburn, all right? These are the fucking What's best. the difference? Shout out to the Caliburn company. What's the bro. difference? These are flavored, all right? These have jewels good. are not flavored. Jewels are fucking in New York are not flavored. You know, all I vapes even... in New York are not flavored. You know that? Unless you got an illegal plug. Wow. That's the illegal shit I've been up Let to. Let me just say this. I used to vape, but I never even liked it enough that I had to stop. I just put it down. I didn't care. You smoked though. Oh yeah, I smoked a lot. And then you stopped, just stopped smoking. No, I vaped afterwards. And then you just stopped vaping. Yeah, but it wasn't hard to stop vaping. I didn't like it. I don't like it. It's fucking. I don't this like is it. impossible for me. Well, you're a young, you're a young whippersnapper. I think this and makes I think, it. I think I smoke more of this than I did cigarette, and I smoke cigarettes. Why? You know, because I can just smoke it anywhere. I smoke it when I'm out. I smoke it if I'm inside. I smoke it if I'm outside. I smoke it if I'm in a restaurant. I smoke it everywhere. I, smoke I find it, at the bar. it. I find it very unsatisfying. I have a vape downstairs in our bathroom. Downstairs, there's a secret closet in no. the bathroom. This what guy, else is in there? I don't know. <laughs> this guy sent me fucking after Chris died. This guy Ooh. who had a vape company. 
company wanted to name a vape flavor after Dopey or Chris or Toodles Dope. or whatever. And like he sent me some flavors. Flavor packets? And, 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 a, and, a, and a thing, a pen, whatever, a yeah. thing. And uh, I like hid it down there from Linda and I never took it out of the box. Oh, <laughs> it's, shit. it's in the box downstairs. I'm telling Linda. It's flavors if you're, if you're interested I'm in interested some. interested in the flavors. If you're interested in some flavors. Now, anyway, the point is there's fucking trouble on the horizon yep. but here's my thing what if what you ready so yes what if nat like I, did we talk about this already last i'm sure time? we did i don't care oh, we probably did so what if yes ready what if i'm ready i'm fucking <laughs> <laughs> what if what if hopefully they're not listening now they're all fucking people have they're... insinuated that maybe your appearances on dopey could work against you yeah fuck that yeah it's possible but i'm not someone else that I you am. just say it's entertainment right yeah, yeah. exactly it's like i'm yeah, a fucking know, yeah. artist right. this is my art well you are an artist you know? i think your work is really top <laughs> <A1>. one <notch>. back <laughs> so to what it. if yes what if in this fucking bumblefuck hick town? You've told county, me this. I this did, right? Area, but tell the dopey nation. So what if, bro? These lovely people in Ohio. These awesome fucking people yes. who I love. Who love you, hopefully. And the fucking district attorney is probably a wonderful person. I'm going to suppose this for you because right. I don't even want you to say it. All right. What if Jay, Jay paid $100,000 in, in, in bail? No what, bond. No bond. Straight bail. What if they just kept the money and kept it moving? Kept the money. <laughs> Tore up the papers, <laughs> fed it to the fucking, the rural fucking, the rural nice fucking people, people out yes. there, the farm people, yes. fucking yes. the people. Supported the methadone yeah, program. Yeah, supported all. Right. Yeah, what the if they highways. fucking put it to good, or what if they just pocketed like the fucking right. scumbags they are in some, the court system. Some fat cat. <laughs> my bad. Right. No, no, no stealing stole. that shit. Yeah, what if they fucking stole it Made and they're just letting me rock? They got a hot tub. Because news to me, ready? When I came home, right? I, I was in contact. I had to put my Ohio lawyer in contact with my fucking Florida lawyer in contact with my New York lawyer. Had to have them all in contact because we're going to try to get everything ran concurrent. We're going to try to get everything not, you know, we everybody needed to know what the fuck was going on, right? Because I had a possession here and you, after they raided my fucking house, whatever, my apartment, they fucking, I had a possession here. I had fucking the gold story I've told on here going on in Florida. I had like a bunch of shit going on. And that was actually and, a story with gold in it. Not yeah. that the story wasn't a gold <laughs> yeah, story, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was about it gold. It was platinum. Yeah. Story. Platinum story yeah, concerning about gold. gold. Yes. Yeah. So they fucking what? So then uh, shortly after that, I remember, uh, I don't know, because I, I started like getting back with my family and with my dad and with my sisters and stuff. And like I just fucking got out of fucking jail again. Uh, in New York for a quick stint, which bail was like, I don't even know. There wasn't even a bail. I got out from the precinct. Because Where are you going with this? Ready? Yes. I called my Ohio lawyer and I was like, because at this point in time, the case was dismissed from municipal court and it was waiting to be picked up. And I was like, yeah, so what's, what's up? Like, I just got this new one in New York. Like, what's up? And he kind of made it seem like, like, I was with my dad when I called. He made it seem like, ah, oh, like, the fix is in. Yeah, like you don't paid your way out. Yeah, of this. like don't even call when did me you about say it. That? that was like um, probably three months. I had four months. That was probably like a year ago, a year and because probably, when I've said to you, yeah, do you want to call the lawyer? You've said a very drug addicty thing, which is I don't want to remind him I, I exist. Don't, I don't want to. I don't. So like, and maybe that's a deterrent. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's it's, why. I listen. Don't want to. A year ago, I was saying this shit, and no. you were saying no. Now we're getting close. 
it's scary it's and up. you're and you're hoping and i'm still hoping it happens mm-hmm. what is the upside to actually getting your shit together now <sighs> upside to getting my shit together now is even regardless if i go which i'm pretty fucking sure i am if i do go my fucking mind body and spirit and soul will be prepared fucking in a in the mindset that i'm gonna be in for however many years i'm away for like it's not gonna be like a shock to my body you know like i'm You'll gonna be a, have started i'm already i'm already in the mind state like that i'm gonna be up all fucked exactly and then fucking coming to and fuck even just from drinking every day i'm just i'd be able to prepare my brain a lot better for where i'm going which is fucking important to have your fucking brain up, you know, to, to know in a, in a sober, clear headed state of mind where you're going and what's happening and what's going on rather than like pushing it off, pushing it away in your brain and getting fucked and faded and pushing it to the back and then realizing it once it's too fucking late because it's already happening. I'll be able to get my body fucking a one day one, you know, seriously. Well, you're there already. And I'll be able to get on a fucking schedule. But I think mostly it's like what you talked about before aligning your, br- your brain, brain, your body, and your spirit. Yeah, because and then my spirit. That's a fucking big one. But that's you, like the biggest one. You don't want to be like fucking with people yeah. and like competing like as though you're a kid yep. and finding like good deals on shit yeah. and proving who you could fuck yeah, up yeah, 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 for yeah, any yeah. other reason than survival. Yeah, you need yeah, to yeah. do whatever you can do to like get out of there as responsible an adult as possible. That's true. And I think, honestly- if you put a program together now where you're of service, where you're fucking engaged. How can I be of service right now, though? You, I, I'm going to help you out with this. <laughs> yeah, First yeah, of yeah. all, coming on Dopey is of service. It's true. Number two, if you start doing an actual program, you'll, you'll, you'll be of service. That's bam. The second you're doing it, you're Done. of service. It will change you. And, and like, we need to get you there. Yeah. And like everybody, anybody who's not rooting for you, Fuck you. Yeah. Everybody who is, they're really rooting for you. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. You're going to do the right thing. Yeah. And I can't do it for you. I know. But I'm here. I know. We're here. <laughs> it's happening. All right. It's all so happening. Now, before we have a, a very special guest. Her name is Pam Gaslow. She wrote a book called Don't Bring Your Vibrator to Don't Rehab. Don't do it. You can bring the toothbrush, though. <laughs> Probably, she goes into that. But, um, I want to say a couple of things. Uh, I don't know if I told you about this. All right. You know the company Time? Time. Time Magazine? Yes. You know the Kanye West show on Netflix? Genius. I'm not, yeah. I didn't watch it, but yeah. The people who made that show yeah. are working on a documentary about Dopey. No way. Yes. So we Genius? Are those people. No way. But they're really from Time. Time documentaries. Oh, fuck. They also made a movie about Aretha Franklin. Shout they made a movie. Shout out to Aretha. Yeah, you great. won't know everybody else that they made yeah. movies about, but you know Kanye. I know Kanye. So what, what I need people in the Dopey Nation, to, and I need you to be Whoa, in this movie too. That's fucking crazy. What we need people in the Dopey Nation to do is send in a one-minute video about what Dopey means to you. And we have a couple. I'll, I'll play one right now. Wow. Fuck it. Hello, everyone. My name is Matthew Wiedemeyer Carroll, and I would just like to take a minute to tell you what the Dopey Podcast means to me. Um, Dopey is more than just a podcast to me. It is a way of life. Um, when I first found Dopey, I was in a very hopeless state in my life. I was an active IV meth user, um, and I was on my way to going back to prison very, very soon. 
So at a particularly low point in my life, I was new to podcasts, to listening to them anyway. Um, I searched methamphetamine in the search bar on the Apple Podcasts, and Dopey came up. And I started listening, and I could really relate to what Dave and Chris were saying. Um, I went to prison shortly after that. I wrote Chris, one of the former hosts of the show, and he put my letter on Instagram. Um, when I got out, I never looked back. Um, I stayed clean. I started listening to Dopey. It is more than a podcast to me. Like I said, it is definitely a way of life and a safety net. Um, without Dave and the Dopey Nation and the wonderful community that he has created, I would not be speaking with you here today. So stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles for Chris. Right? Wow. You got it. You, I could see you feeling got it. Got right? the chills from this Did you guy. get the chills? Fuck. From Matt? Yeah, Matt gave me the fucking chills, dude. First thing uh, Jay said was, that's a good looking guy. Yeah. They call him the, the Iowa Smoke Show. That's Matt, what it is, right? Matt Wiedemeyer Carroll. All he had to do was type in methamphetamine. That's fucking hilarious. Well, we have a whole world of people like that. So if you feel like Matt do and you want, and also Matt's going to probably be in the documentary if you feel like matt do and you feel like you love dopey and you have something to say about your experience with it send in a one minute video to dopeypodcast at gmail.com it will help us because they're not going to make a movie jay Mm-mm. all they're going to make is a four minute thing okay and there's going to be clips of the show there's going to be clips of the animation there's going to be clips from DopeyCon. there's wow. going to be clips from 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 my dad, whatever, and it's and we're gonna try to sell it to like Netflix or wow. Hulu or Amazon Prime or whatever. And I think that you might be the secret weapon in this movie because your story up. is so much more fucked up than the dopey story. No, it's, you, it's yeah. not. I think there could be a whole just J doc. No, oh, yeah. don't gas me right oh, yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, your story's fucked up. You, you your por- story's fucked yeah, up. <laughs> yeah, your story's really fucked I up. I know, I know. All right, now before we get to Pam Gaslow. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I learn about myself every day. I went to the meeting this morning and I fucking learned about myself. You're spiritually fit. I'm, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm almost there. I learned that uh, I'm still a child in many ways and I enjoy being a child. It's given me freedom because when I was using, I couldn't really be a child. Fuck yeah. I was all fucked up. When I went to therapy, it helped me even more to know who I was, to know how I can keep myself in a great moment. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and your understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want. It's true. Or we react to things in weird ways. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Whether or not you've been in therapy personally, therapy's major. It's a way to get, get in touch with yourself. You ever been in therapy? I should be. Are you ready? I'm fucking ready. If you sign up with the code DOPE, you get 10% off no your first m- of your first month. 10% off your first month. I need a therapist. The code is DOPEY Podcast. If you're thinking of starting therapy, you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, Jay. This is the perfect place to fucking air us out. Fucking all drug addicts should see a therapist. You yeah, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Hell yeah. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Podcast today and you get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Podcast. All right. Now, 
Pam Gaslow. Pam Gaslow. Okay, I'm here in the kitchen with Pam Gaslow. Hi, how are you? Did I say that okay? Perfect. It's not a very Jewish sounding name. I'm sorry. It's like gas. I mean, what would be? It's ga- I've never heard Gaslow as a Jewish name. Maybe it was Gaslow Kaus something else. Gaslowitz. That, that got shortened, right? You got lucky, right? Oh. <laughs> and you wrote a book. What is it? Don't bring a vibrator. You can't bring a vibrator to rehab or don't bring a vibrator to don't rehab? Don't bring your vibrator to rehab. And why shouldn't you bring your vibrator to rehab? Because you're not allowed. Are there any rehabs that allow vibrators? That's a really good question, but I didn't find any in my research. One of my favorite moments in the book is where you say you could bring an electric toothbrush to rehab and cover the bristles. (laughs) Yes, it doesn't say anything about not bringing electric toothbrushes. Have you ever used an electric toothbrush for a vibrator? I may have. Okay. And you got sober. Not the bristles part. I don't remember, but something. No bristles. You you might have used the other part. I don't remember. It was a really long time ago. It was a desperate situation. What I, happened I, there? Let's start know. there. Let's start there. I don't know if I covered it or used the bat. It's a really, it was a long time ago, but yes, in some way, shape or form, yes. It didn't, it didn't really work, if you know what I mean. And it didn't work? No. And you didn't try it at rehab because you said you did not have an orgasm for the 15 days or 16 <laughs> days you stayed at the rehab. I am here to say that that is true. No, I did. I actually don't even use an electric toothbrush anymore because the dentist told me not to. Why? Because um, it wasn't good for my gums. Interesting. See, I always think about getting one of these sonic toothbrushes. I'm always on the fence. I'm always at Costco. I'm always looking at it and thinking, do I get it? Right. Will it save my mouth? And um, the dentist says no. I used it for many, many years, and then she's like, now just use a very soft bristle uh, toothbrush. So that's that's what I do now. All right, dental tips with Pam Gaslow. You're welcome. Okay, now when did you find out you were an alcoholic? When did you determine this? I think in college. I just randomly uh, had this awareness one day after um, you know many incidents. But I remember thinking, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, but I also remember thinking I'm going to do absolutely nothing about that right now. What were some of the incidents that made you believe that you were alcoholic or an alcoholic? College was like a four-year disaster. Where, where did you go? I went, I started off at University of Colorado in Boulder. Nice. Which I only picked because it was, quote, pretty because I had visited it. And I basically had no clue how to pick a college, like no guidance from anybody. And so I went to Colorado, got drunk all the time acted idiotic but the thing about Colorado was it was so it's such a big school that like you can just kind of do that all the time and not get a reputation I had a friend I think that went there I know he went to school somewhere in Colorado and he said it was just cocaine all day all the time I never did cocaine in my whole life. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Thank you. I think you're one of the only dopey guests in the history of the show that has never done cocaine. That's why I'm unique. Okay. The only reason I never did cocaine was I was terrified. And I had when this is a really weird story, but when I was a teenager, I found this like 20 page article about cocaine and in the back of like a rental car trunk or something. And I read it, and I was literally terrified. And I'm like, I'm never doing this. And also, 
you know, like very close friends of mine were like, don't ever do coke. And I'm also so thin naturally. And I was like, you're gonna look like death and you're probably gonna die. So I had a healthy dose of fear around cocaine. And I also felt like I acted insane enough just on alcohol that I didn't really need to add anything else to the mix. So I was lucky that, yeah. What about weed? Because like the book is like, you're basically this crazed pothead who goes to rehab. When did you become this crazy? I mean, I'm a horrible pothead too. I think yeah. a lot of neurotic Jews go that way. Right. So when did it happen to you? After college. Not at Boulder. No. When I was in high school, I had a, a very negative experience with weed and I like freaked out screaming one night and thought it was laced and you know, basically, I, I don't know what it was, but I probably just had a panic attack. Right. So I didn't smoke weed for a really long time because I was scared. I didn't smoke weed throughout college. So that was another reason I didn't fit in in, in Colorado. Because Boulder was crazy hippie school, Yeah, right? and besides, like, yeah, it was like everyone's stoned and everyone, like, wears no shoes and, you know, has, like, a mangy dog that has no leash. And what's uh, a, how does a nice Jewish girl from Long Island fit into that? I didn't. Okay. So, but but I was, you stayed. No, I left after one semester. Okay, you didn't. It, stay. Like I was so adamant on going there. It's like I was clueless. I'm like I must go to Colorado because I want to be different and I don't want to be where you know I wanted to get away from Long Island and experience something different. And it was almost too different. And I felt like Boulder is a beautiful place, and I don't want to say anything negative about Boulder because it it just wasn't for me. Like I'm more of like a city girl. So I, felt I had I had the best huevos rancheros I ever had in Boulder. That's and I, and I was high. Um, <laughs> I was stoned. I had the best pizza, and in I was Boulder. High. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, if anyone knows, back in the day, it was Abo's Pizza. I don't know if it's still there, but anyway, that I, sounds like a dubious dubious claim. It's probably not there. All right, after a semester at Boulder, you come back home. I came home. I went to. I lived with my parents, and I went to Hofstra University, which was like an even har more horrible experience. And I had no friends home, and I was super depressed. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to transfer, and I, I transferred to GW, George Washington University, only because I had friends there, and didn't even like them. But you know, I did like the easier, softer way. That's how I made my my decisions back then. So I wound up in a school filled with people from Long Island, which is exactly where I didn't want to be. But I, at that point, I was just so lost and clueless. And I'm like, I just want to graduate. I want to just get out on time. So the next three years was more of the same drinking, being depressed, feeling bad about how I behaved. And then going, staying home for like a month and then going back out and doing the same exact thing. And when, when do you find that? Like, I mean, you said you knew you were an alcoholic back then. When does it get bad? Or was it bad then? When it does it get to the point where you're like, I can't do it? Well, that was a few years later. So when I was in, when I was in college, like I knew something was quote like wrong with me. So I went to a therapist and one therapist was like, um, you know, you have a drinking problem. You need to go to AA. And I was like, yeah, no way. Cause I felt like I couldn't possibly survive in that environment without drinking. I thought drinking was what was like keeping me alive and sane if, if I was sane. So then the next session she handed me an AA pamphlet and then I stopped seeing her. Cause you didn't want to go. No. Well, who wants to go? No, right. I, I bet you there are people that do want to go. I mean, I really didn't want to go, but in the back of my head, it seemed like the people that went 
were together. You know what I mean? Like there were like it was like a little culty thing that I didn't want to be a part of. And I didn't even think that I should be a part of it. But part of me was like, well, at least I would I'd belong someplace. You That's know what so I mean? Funny. And I'm sure a lot of like weirdo people like just go there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Be- because you do get a lot of love. You know, it's, <laughs> it's a place with a lot of love. We always know who doesn't belong there though. Right. So, well, don't say that. Now someone's oh, going to be so, no, no, someone's I mean, going to be like I can't go. No. <laughs> well, don't go for fun. I'm talking about the people that are like, "Oh, I'm going to check that out." Or I, you know, stories about people think they want to meet, you know, meet someone there to like be in a relationship with. I'm like, that's not the best idea. That's like a TV show, like yeah. <laughs> dating through AA. There's there's better places. I don't know. I think I like the idea of, of that show. Good like luck. someone goes to, I mean, you know, it wouldn't work with anonymity, but somebody goes to AA to find, because when you go to AA, if you have a good program, it's like a good guidebook for how to live a good life. If you're an alcoholic or addict. You don't think that it just gives you a nice life oh, no, no I, matter I, what? I do. I, I 100% do. And I think anyone can benefit from, from a meeting because it does teach you how to live life on, you know, on life's terms. But I think to go into a place like that to try to meet a spouse of some sort is kind of crazy because you don't oh, it's very crazy yeah you don't know who you're getting involved with and you know to go at your own risk <laughs> well it's like the it's the old two sickies don't make a welly and if you're a welly and you show up and for a sickie but you know, you know they're great i love the like we met in aa and married 40 years i, I was engaged to someone i met in aa what happened we broke up why that's a really long story, but give me. I want to hear. This is what I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear the the therapist gives you the AA pamphlet. Right. You choose not to continue with the therapist, right? Because my path was so much better. So where where did your path take you? Absolute misery. <laughs> so I graduated from college, and you know, I got. I was working for my dad because that was like all I was capable of doing because I couldn't really like show up on time and I was so depressed and I was just like... What did your dad do? Um, we're in the office. It's a family business and we sell office furniture. So, you know, I was able to like, you know, drink a bottle of wine at night by myself and then smoke a joint and then make phone calls because then I was happy and then I could show up late for work and leave early and it was, you know, that was like my existence and then this went on for maybe like four years. And so when I was in college, I had a one night stand with this guy and he was like four years older than me and he didn't go to my school, but he was like passing through DC on a motorcycle trip. All right. So I meet him at the bar and I take him home with me and, you know, he's really, really handsome guy. And, you know, I knew of him because we were from the same hometown and all the girls liked him, and he's very charming. We did. He was a Long Island motorcycle guy, <laughs> like a like a, a like a, a a rogue, like one of these, like an ex greaser kind of writing no, poetry. No, it was guy. like a nice bike. It was like an expensive Harley, you know. Okay. Um, and he was a well sought after guy in yes, your hometown. That yes. Did he wear like white t shirts and jeans and stuff? No, he wasn't like an old school motorcycle guy. I don't know what he was wearing. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. But I don't want to ruin your story. I knew, you know, and I'm like, he's hot. So um, he came back to my apartment. I don't think we spoke 10 words to each other. And we had sex and he left and that was it. And four years went by. 
And was he the guy you got engaged to at AA? Absolutely not. That would be amazing. No. But keep going, please. And then um, I saw him one other time where he also didn't say anything. Like some a friend brought him to my apartment, and I was like, "Is that so and so?" Like I didn't even shut recognize up. Him. He comes back to your apartment after you had sex no, with no, him, no. and so you don't. Four talk years to him? later, a friend of mine, we have a mutual friend, shows up, and he's like, "Hey, I'm I'm here. Can I come by?" And he brings this guy with him. And I'm like, oh, my God, is that, you know, so-and-so? And he's like, yeah. And he, like, had gained weight, and he was wearing a wedding band. And I was like, oh, are you married? And he's like, no. I'm like, why are you wearing a wedding band? He's like, I can't get it off. And that's, like, all he said that day. And he complimented a piece of my art that I made. He leaves. Cut to six months later, this guy calls me from a payphone, which shows you how long ago this was. This was 1995 or six. And he's like, do you know who this is? And I'm like, yes. It was, like, 11 o'clock at night. And he's like... I'm across the street from your house. Can I come over? And I was like, sure. Okay, so that just shows you mentally where I was at that time. This is when I'm like drinking alone, smoking weed all night, hate everybody, don't go out. And I think, oh my God, this cool guy from back in the day like wants to come over. So I let him come over and, you know, long story short, well, when I opened the door and saw this guy, he, I was like, oh my God, I don't know what happened to him, but like, he looked like a mess and I just felt like I'm a mess. And for some reason, I felt like he was going to help. He was going to help me. No, seriously, I got this like vibe. The two sickies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing, yeah. He looked like he was like in homeless person's clothing. Nice. A little a real catch. A little overweight, but I'm like, yeah. oh, he's, he's the cool guy that everyone, you know, now he's divorced. Now his family doesn't talk to him. He's two days out, got kicked out of a six month rehab and he's calling me from a payphone. I love this. Yeah. It's romance. So I was like, come in. now. <laughs> I need you. So he proceeded to stay with me for a, maybe a few months on and off. And he, um, one day, I didn't know that you, I had no clue about addiction and he, whatever. And I ended up like drinking and smoking in front of him. And one day he just, he's like, you're an addict. And he's like, I was like, I know, you know, and like, that was it. And nothing else was said. And then eventually he started telling me, like, you need help and you need to go to meetings and you need to change your life. And how was he when he was telling you this? The funny part that I found out afterwards. So like he would stay with me and he would disappear all day. And I didn't know where he went. I'm like, where are you? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to AA meetings all over the city. I just walk from meeting to meeting. And I later found out that he was at OTB. <laughs> Off-track off betting, yes. if you didn't know it. Yes. Did he come home smelling of cigars and no, McDonald's? No, but you know what? It is funny, so I just want to tell the truth about it. But the truth also is, like, he talked the talk, and he helped me at the end of the day. You know, so whether or not he was sober, it's almost like it doesn't matter. What happened to him? Well, my father found out that he was staying with me, and he's like, I heard, you know, he's he's living with you, and if, if you don't get him out of there, I'm going to personally come and remove him. So he, how did your father know anything about it? Because I probably had a big mouth and told people. And no, but I mean, him. like, would your dad have allowed anyone to be there? Um, how old were you? 25. How does your father have a say with who stays with you? Well, he was paying my rent at the time. Right. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so I said, you have to leave. And then he just literally got in some like old shitty car that, you know, was breaking down at every red light and drove to Florida. Did you? Does he live with you now? After no way. Have you, have you seen him on the motorcycle around the way? No, I. I was just like, I don't know. What's his first name? Brian. Brian, if you're listening, 
please send an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I need to know what happened to you. He's the funniest person on the face of the earth. But anyway, he's, he's you know, he's not great now. How do you know? Well, we stayed in touch. So you're in touch with him? Not currently, but on and off over the years. And so he tells you you're an addict as he's gambling. Right. And your father removes him, or you, your father tells you you're a dutiful daughter, and you tell him to go. Right. And then how shortly after does the seed that he planted in your brain take hold, and how bad do you get? Um, it wasn't like I was so bad. I just, I had nothing going on. You know, I was just like isolated, just drinking, smoking by myself, not going out, but very depressed and no, no upward mobility in life. Just no life, just stagnant, you know, and emotionally stunted, you know? So yeah, I hadn't, I, hadn't, I was going nowhere fast kind of. So when do you go to your first meeting? I went to my first meeting in um, July 2000. What century is it? July 1996. So you and you get sober then? I got sober. Yeah, about like two weeks later, I had my last. I kind of stopped drinking before that because I was just so sick of how I was acting. And then, but there was no cataclysmic crack smoking, no. fucking acid in no. your eyes, shit. No, you know, I wasn't some like you know garbage head or whatever they call those people so well it's our people those are our people uh, yeah I just, know. So, you, just I, so you know those people are our people i it's all the same you know but it's not a contest you no, don't no. you don't have to do every drug on earth to belong no you definitely don't yeah. and, and the and the solution is totally the same either way exactly now were you a crazy pothead then so somebody left a bong in my apartment so i was like oh well and, you know, it could have been a needle. I don't know. It could have been anything. No, and, you were scared to do coke. I you weren't going to start shooting I, fucking I, Well, I drugs. wouldn't hang out with anyone who, who brought a needle over. But, no, so we left a bong there, and I was like, all right. And I just started smoking all the time. And once I realized, the one morning I woke up and realized, oh, wait, you can smoke in the morning. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, that's it. All bets are off. And then, yeah. And your stoner identity was cemented? Were you a ridiculous stoner? Um, I mean, because the phase two of your addiction is ridiculous stonerness. Yeah, I think I like evolved into that because <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm an adult now. I can do whatever I want. Like where no one says you can't smoke when you wake up. Like, where's that rule? No, I mean, I sometimes I reminisce. I mean, like weed because we'll get to it. But in, in the book, you talk about writing the letter to weed, mm-hmm. right? That weed took away your life and your peace and your ability Mm. to be a person. My letter when I was in treatment in Florida was to heroin being upset that it took me away from weed. (laughs) That was, that was my, that was my letter. (laughs) I miss weed. How could you do this? Like weed was my beautiful girlfriend and heroin was the whore that destroyed my relationship that I wanted, Mm. you know? So like, it was interesting. I don't know. It's, it's, it's my letter. Who knows? I don't have. I have nothing. The wreckage of my past is is. But that's funny, though. No, it is funny because yeah. when I'm reading your book, it's all about like how weed robbed you of everything. And I swear to God, my letter was to heroin stealing weed from me, <laughs> destroying my relationship that I wanted. That's right. And I and what I was gonna say was that, like, I'm still like I'm. You know, I haven't smoked pot in seven and a half years or whatever. But I have great euphoric recall of weed. 
And I have a great reservation. Like, I have a fucking set reservation for being an old man with a fucking rocking chair and a record player and a bong and the Allman Brothers ready to go. Like, oh, I, I have that reservation okay. in effect. When I, when, what, age, what age does that start? I don't have a set age. See, like when, when people I, say, it's like people who are like, oh, if I get to this age and I am sick, you know, just kill me. I'm like, you know, nobody goes around murdering everyone because they're old, first of all, you know. But that's like not when, murder. <laughs> that, that's the opposite. It's like I'd finally be living again. But it is true. It's like when I'm at this age, this X, Y, Z, it's like, when is that age? Okay, well, when I first, when I didn't have any sobriety, but I started getting a little bit of clean time. Yeah. Because I was a horrible heroin addict who tried to make deals with myself. When could I do heroin again? Mm -hmm. When could I do drugs again? When you want to die. No, I would say <laughs> when I was 60 or I had $60 million. That was the phrase. Oh, my God. And I was probably in my early 30s or late 20s. At As the you time. get older, you're like, wait, yeah, I'm getting 80s, closer 80 to million, 60, 80, right? 80, 80 yeah. million. But um, I don't know. Like, I'm 48, right? Okay. I have a 13-year-old a and I have a four-year-old. Mm. So like weed, I mean, listen, I probably won't ever smoke again. I hope not. Why? Why what? Why would you hope that I never smoke again? I don't think anything good comes out of it. I disagree. Um, well, it as depends an old, how as you an smoke. Old person, how you smoke. Listen, as an old person. I'm older than you. I'm not oh, questioning okay. your age. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm an old person now. Right. I'm saying as an old person, I think I could really enjoy the effects of marijuana after I'm done, like after I'm retired. If I, I don't think I'll ever get to retire. I didn't work until I was fucking 35, basically. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get to retire. So it's all a fantasy. But I was going to say, this is a fantasy. It's okay. A, it's all a fantasy. As long as it's not today, you can fantasize all you want. Yeah, I, I fantasize about a lot of stuff. I'm sure. And, and it's not happening, you know, soon. But I think there are, I mean, and you fucking, how many people are in recovery smoking weed, that, you know, at okay. this point? That's a whole other topic. And like, I, I, you're, you're either sober or you're not. Wow. You, 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 I'm hardcore. You're setting a line. Because... You're smoking weed, you're not sober. You're altering your, you know, your thinking, you're altering your brain chemistry, you're putting a drug in your body. Whether Mood you want to call altering. it a drug or right. not, it's a drug. Well, so, I, and I had this conversation recently with someone. You know what? Listen, everyone has to do whatever they want, whatever works for them, whatever makes them happy. I mean, I, I used to smoke cigarettes and I didn't feel sober. That's just me. When's personally. the last time you smoked a cigarette? Mm, 23 years ago. Wow. Thank God. But like, I literally didn't feel sober. The compulsion and the obsession was so time consuming and overwhelming. I'm like, I, it's like, it's, it's a drug. I, I totally agree. And uh, with cigarettes, I was man, hanging out with this guy a few weeks ago. This, the amount of cigarettes, and I hate smoking. <laughs> do you think Brian's smoking cigarettes right now? He does not smoke cigarettes. He doesn't? And I don't, I hate cigarettes and I don't want to hang out with anyone who smokes a cigarette but i was with this guy and like the amount of cigarettes he was smoking i'm like it's almost like there's another person between us like it's a barrier For, but that's what it is yeah that's his that's his best friend yes that's like, his love the, that's his yes. life that's his thing and i'm like this is interfering with our intimacy like Big you time. have to go take your whole deal with your whole cigarette thing for 25 minutes now and you know i'm like wow see i, I miss cigarettes i miss weed but I don't miss it like I love my life. I love my recovery. I love my sobriety. I love my freedom. I love my options. 
but I, I, but I miss the ball and chain. Ugh. I do. I miss the ball and chain. I, I, I miss. Uh, it's the, a job. All of that is all a of it job. is job. I'm like the smoking is a job. Oh, and it's not only it's a job. Smoking. I miss smoking, but I know. I mean, weed, cigarettes, whatever. Both of them. I know the second I smoke anything, I'm just smoking. Oh, same. I'm just smoking. Same. I'm not stopping. Yeah. It's not one cigarette. It's not a joint at it's night. It's a pack. No, it, it's not a joint. At, if <laughs> no. there's a joint at night, then there's a joint in the morning. Yeah. Like, so what I was going to say when you were talking about like when you decided you were an adult and you could smoke in the morning, like I have great memories of the way bong smoke looked in the morning light at my <laughs> window, like how thick it was. Like what uh, a beautiful... See, you don't have the same euphoric recall that I do. I, I, but I think that's why I do this podcast, right? Yeah. Like, I, I still enjoy that, but I do enjoy my freedom. I don't, and, I, and then the other thing about people who smoke weed in recovery, I, I was at a, a Zoom meeting the other day, and, and it was not a 12-step meeting, and somebody was talking about that they smoke weed, and I was, and, and medicinally, and I was like, well, the, the greatest side effect to, to smoking weed is how high you get. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's great medicine, but the side effect is you get wasted, but- on the other hand, right, it's like the, these people, these people, those people, mm -hmm. it's like it's a step, you know what I mean? And it's like you don't want to fucking alienate people, you know, just because you're so sober, you know yeah. what I mean? You don't, you don't because <laughs> like. so sober, I'm sober. You're so sober. Look up, what's the definition? But no mind-altering substances? Mood or mind-altering okay. substances. Well, then everyone should. And you don't even drink it. coffee. I don't like it. Do you take anything to help you sleep? No, I exercise. Do you eat sugar? Yes. What do you eat? I love candy, cake. I mean, I'm trying not to so much now just because the doctor told me I'm like pre, almost pre-diabetic. But, um, but what if someone told you sugar was a drug? You'd be like, fuck you. I'm aware of it and I try not to, you know, a little bit. Like I try to do a little bit here and there. You know, like as I get older, I'm just like, it's not like I want to live to be 100 because that's just not like my goal. But like I want What's your goal? My goal is to live as long as I can as, and be as healthy as I can. And I know none of us really have control over that. But no. if I can try to not sabotage that by like eating absolutely horribly or doing horrible things to myself, like I'm going to make that effort. But I'm not a freaking saint and I don't eat perfect, but I, I'm aware and I try. So Listen, I think that's great. And, and I, when- when I first got sober or when we were first doing the show, I was very much like, if you're not 100% sober, then you're not sober. And, right. But it's like the more I've, I've done it, you know, it's all pathways. And it's like, and it's really, whatever anyone does, it has nothing to do with what I do. Yeah. You know, so you got sober and how long were you sober? I was sober seven and a half years. That's a long time. Yeah. See, I'm sober seven and a half years right now. See, the, I hope this keeps you sober another seven and a half. Oh God! Yeah. This uh, is, now, I'm I'm now, now I'm getting now I'm getting now I'm getting nervous right, all of a sudden. I'm the perfect guest for you right now. Okay, hold on. So you're sober seven and a half years, but you hadn't, you know, put liquid acid on your eyes. You hadn't shot heroin. You hadn't smoked angel dust or anything like that. No. You had smoked a bunch of weed and drank a bunch. Yes. And you were a hardcore card carrying member of a 12 step fellowship that maybe you don't want to claim right now. Yeah, two meetings a day for many years. Manhattan? Yeah. Where'd you go? Well, when I first got sober, I went all over. Now it's like, I don't remember. I went to Rhinelander. I went to some meetings at Midtown because I worked there. 
Um, what are they called again? I don't know. You know, I'm my memory's not so good. That's I'm embarrassed. Fine. Yeah, you're a pothead. Yeah. So, um, you know, Upper East Side and some Midtown meetings and what's the one everyone goes to at lunch? You don't even know. No, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But anyway, yeah, I, I got around to different meetings at that point. And why did you move to Florida? The weather. And how did, what, how did everything fall apart? What happened? Well, I had two real relapses. Seven and a half years, I went to, I had a boyfriend and we, it was New Year's Eve and I had a really bad vibe. And he wasn't in the program, but he wasn't an addict. And I don't know. And I never felt that way until that night. And I was just like, I don't have a good feeling. I don't want to go. We had some people over before we went out. And I just went and there was somebody left a bong on the table and I just did a bong hit. Hold on. You're what? seven and a half years <laughs> sober. You're on a trip with your boyfriend. Not a trip. I went to his house on the west side, his apartment. Did, were you like in the, the groove of meetings? Yeah. So I, you went to two meetings that no, day? No, not then. That, I, not, probably not two meetings, but I still went to meetings a lot back then. It wasn't like there was no big pause in your program. No. And you're just at his apartment. Yeah. You're young though, right? How old were you? 32. Yeah. You're 32. There's a bong on the table. And do you yeah, remember I, what your thinking was? Nobody was around. There were only like five or six There was Bud there too, obviously. I guess it was already in it. And I just, nobody was in the room and I just picked it up and like smoked it. Like I told you, I had such a bad premonition about going there and I never thought about getting high or anything. But I knew I was also going to be the only sober person there that night. Not that that matters, you know? I don't know. I don't. I don't really love hanging out with people who are using in but my they're, sobriety. It, they're not. They weren't addicts and they weren't crazy. But it was New Year's Eve, which never mattered to me anyway. I don't know why this happened. So I did this bong hit. I couldn't stop coughing. I like locked myself in the bathroom. I was embarrassed, even though no one was watching. <laughs> and I came out and I announced it to everyone as if they cared. And nobody cared. You cared. Were you devastated, or did it you was like you know how like you feel like lightning is going to strike you because when you go to meetings for so long, you're almost you know like brainwashed that like you, I will die if yeah. I pick up a drink. Yeah. So nobody gave a shit, and then we went out, and it was fine. And did you drink? No. And then all of a sudden, like an hour and a half later, I was like, wait, I'm going to start like coming down and like I want more, and like where am I going to get it? So like then I started thinking about that, like obsessing. And that was it. We went home and went to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and I went into the living room and my boyfriend was sitting there and I was like, can we smoke again? And he looked at me like I had three heads, like, cause he's not, you know, he's a normal guy. And I was like, okay, never mind. You know? And then. Did he know that you were seven and a half years sober? Yeah. But then he, that's probably why he gave you the love. didn't seem to like get through to anyone. And then, you know, then a few weeks later, I found someone to get high with and here and there and there and, you know, a little bit. And then eventually I got sober again. You know, it's, it was a while back now, but basically I had two like relapses in, you know, 20 something years. Another time I had, then I got sober again and then I had eight years it's amazing. Yeah. Because I, I mean. And the more amazing is. Ha go, go ahead. No, please. No, the, the, it's amazing and it's stupid because when I had eight. And I did go to rehab at some point in between there for like a week. <laughs> and yes, I went to rehab and then I stayed sober for. And they threaten you in the rehab. Not threaten you. They scare you. They're like, oh, if you don't stay here, you're never going to make it. And, you know, they say sobriety is for people that want it, not people who need it. So I'm like, I guess I wanted it. And I, I stayed sober for eight years. And then I was in New York. I lived in Florida at this point, And I came to New York 
a friend's birthday party and I messaged a guy who lived around the corner. I'm like, hey, I'm in New York. Come over. I want to see you. He comes and walks around the block. He's smoking a joint. I smoked the joint with him. Like, it's dumb. It's embarrassing. It's just... Well, the thing that's interesting to me... That was my weakness, though. Like, men and sex and weed. And, like, the smell of weed is very seductive to me. And especially if it's, like, from coming from a hot guy. How about right now? Right. Like, like in the... In, no, in the street. <laughs> like, the streets of New York just stink of weed now. It's the like... The streets of everywhere stink of weed. So, like... But I think one of the really interesting things to me, especially like because this show is a bunch of garbage heads, a bunch of fucking heroin addicts, a bunch of crack smokers, PCP shooters, whatever, (laughs) fucking meth people, all these, you know. Yeah. Although, I mean, it doesn't seem to me, and I'm not judging you in the slightest, that you were a leaving Las Vegas kind of alcoholic who was fucking like hiding bottles in the apartment and like drinking quarts of vodka and shit no i physically couldn't anyway right well you well who knows what you could but my point is you went out after seven and a half years and then you went out after eight years Mm -hmm. and you you needed to come back to recovery Mm -hmm. what was different and like why you know what i'm saying like i'm sure at meetings you deal with people like who are total fucked up drug addicts or these leaving Las Vegas kinds of alcoholics who Mm -hmm. it is like life or death. For you, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. And it's not, it wasn't so physical for me as it is for, you know, you do withdraw from weed when you smoke as much as I did, but yeah, it's not heroin. Um, It's way, it's way different. And I'm not saying it's way better because giving up weed in the end was the hardest for me, hardest thing for me to because give up. Because it seems innocuous. It's, it's very socially acceptable. People let, like, you know, even when I went to rehab for weed, people are like, what's your drug of choice? And I tell them and they're like, that's it. You know, and it to me, like what I write about in the book, it doesn't, it, you don't have to be a junkie in the street with a needle in your arm. You know, you have to be just like, you know, your life's unmanageable. You can't stop. It's like, to me, addiction's like when you can't stop doing something that you know is bad for you, that you hate doing, and you're still doing it. Compulsivity. Yeah. And just mentally, like my level, my depression was so bad. And the fact that I see I'm doing absolutely nothing with my life when I'm like a creative, talented person and I'm sitting staring at the walls and smoking weed all day, I'm like, I might as well be dead. So you know, that, that whole mental situation and just withdrawn from society and just not caring, you know, not giving a shit. It's just a nothing life, you know? And you're talking about like depression. Massive, major, for me it was major, major depression. And, And maybe that's where it is life and death. Yeah. Because once you're in that place, it's not worth living anymore. There, cause there's no life. You know, and I'm like, you get so hopeless, like the whole, so, you know, after I actually, I think, um, so what happened was, so I don't remember, I had the eight years and I think I smoked with that guy once. I don't think I smoked again. Who, the hot guy with the joint? Yeah. Not Brian. Not Brian. And, um, how do you think Brian looks now? uh, Not amazing. Not great. Uh, (laughs) I wish he was here because he's amazing. But, um, anyway, so. Like, so that was always a trigger for me, like weed and sex and men. And, you know, like I always say, it's just embarrassing to even say it because it sounds so stupid. You know, it just does to me now, especially like I wouldn't hopefully never do that again for a guy. You know, it's never worth it. And 
But what happened was um, when I moved to my, so I moved to Miami. Um, You're just going to talk about the coconut guy now. Yeah. But but there was the <laughs> the, the hot joint guy in Manhattan. Right. And now there's going to be the coconut guy in Florida. Right. And you're identifying sex and it, and it's it shouldn't be embarrassing but it's funny to come on dopey and me like be like you're not a hardcore addict and, and you'd be like i'm embarrassed to mention but that you, sex is an issue but it is an issue for everybody the first aa meeting i ever went to was a woman talking about like being obsessed with a guy and like to me that made me come back so i feel like whatever it whatever it is it to me at the end of the day, it's all the same shit Totally. You know, that's why it's like, I just go to AA because to me it's the biggest fellowship. There's the most people. Some people, I guess, feel the need to specifically speak about Coke and specifically talk about marijuana and that makes them comfortable. But like, to me, whatever you're addicted to, it is the same crap, you know? And we all have the same thoughts and the same behaviors. If it's cupcakes, if it's sex, if it's gambling, if it's... Did you ever do SALA? Yes. How much? That was horrific. It's hardcore. <laughs> that place is crazy. When did you do SALA? Oh, I started that. Like in college, I went no to... No way. I went to one meeting, yeah, because I just like one weekend acted outrageous and... What did you do? I went to visit my brother in Boston at college and um, I you know, acted insane and I was mortified and I embarrassed him. You don't want to say what you did. You know, I slept with too many people and everybody knew and, you know, I was drinking Jack Daniels out of the bottle. Like it was just, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. 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 Like very humiliating and too many people knowing about that. And then I went back to DC and I like had a, I wrote two apology letters, like one to my brother, one to my other friend. And, I was just so humiliated and so down. And so I was like, I need to go to a meeting. So I went to a sex addicts meeting in like outside of Washington, DC. And I took like my friend with me who was a virgin. Like this is just so classic. Yeah. And she Why came, did you bring her? Because she was my best friend. And they asked her when we both walked in, they're like, Are you an addict? She's like, No. So she had to wait in the car. And it was like 20 It was de- a closed SAL. 20 meeting. degrees right, out. Right. I'm like, The whole irony of this, me bringing a virgin to a sex addict's meeting is classic in the first place. But those meetings, they're just, it's a, it's too it's much. A lot. It's a lot. And they're all men. They were mostly, not in Manhattan. Okay, maybe it's not wild. now. It's wild. In I went Manhattan. to some in Manhattan years later, and they were all men, and they're like looking at me. Oh yeah, it's like it's yeah. like yeah, it's like bringing coke to a fucking NA meeting yeah. or something. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, it's wild. I, I went. Much. I went to two SALA meetings, like, and it was wild. Yeah. Was, the first one I went to, like, there was a guy in my normal meeting in my AA meeting, and he gave me. I don't know why this story is funny to me, and, <laughs> but he gave me a free pass to hot yoga, okay? And right. I'm not like a big candidate to do hot yoga. But I went and I was like, and I was, and I sweated and stuff. <laughs> and like, I was, it was crazy. It was right, right around here. And the, and the SALA meeting was like on 30th Street or something. And I go up to the, and I'm all like sweating and stuff. And it was just like a trip because like, it wasn't just men. It was, it was, it was like, and everybody's looking at each other. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like your Bugs Bunny on the desert island and everybody (laughs) is like a pork chop now. And, (laughs) and it's all like all these bottom lines. Like I haven't had sex with a prostitute in two weeks and I Uh. haven't masturbated to this kind of porn and I haven't, and that's another kind of porn. Then it's not masturbating at all. It's a lot of bottom lines. Yeah. It's it's very complicated. It's yeah. very and it's like it's fucked up though because you can come on dopey and you can you know fucking 
rob your dad, fucking, you know, hold somebody at gunpoint, shoot dope, do this, and you have this badge of honor, but you go to visit your brother at school and have sex with a few people and you're <laughs> totally ashamed. And it's like, it's really interesting, mm-hmm. that that line. And what does it mean, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm not even sure what it means. Oh, and by the way, that that weekend destroyed my relationship with my brother to this day. Really? Yeah. So it, Older, younger brother. He's younger. And I made amends to him. And listen, like we speak a little bit, but we don't have a, it, it's completely destroyed our relationship. Because and of that, that. Yes. And that's more on him because like, listen, it, I didn't murder anybody. And it's like, he has a very hard time. Now he, he looks at me a certain way. Like I love my brother. I'm not saying anything bad, but like it, it really damaged our relationship to this. And that's my only sibling. So it, you know, is, yeah, it wasn't a great thing. How did you manage your compulsivity around sex as you? Well, I think that I went to those meetings before I stopped drinking, if I recall correctly. Right. So when I stopped drinking, you know, 75% of that went out the window. Cause like it was sex and drinking go hand in hand. So, and the other thing was when I got sober, I all of a sudden realized sadly that I actually actually literally sort of like the person I was sleeping with because <laughs> alcohol makes it like, you don't have to like them at all. And you don't, you know, so that I was like, wait a second, this is like hard now. Like this is a whole new situation for me. So yeah, a lot of it just like went by the wayside. And how did you manage? Like, I think sex addiction is a, is a, is a hard thing to talk about. And it's a hard thing to really comprehend because it's not the same as mm-hmm. drug addiction or alcoholism. I think it's similar to gambling. Like I think it's closest to gambling because that feeling of winning or that you're better because somebody is interested in you mm-hmm. is, is so, I don't know, cerebral, psychological. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's more psychological than physical, although the physicality right. is obviously a big piece of it. And then when we do a fourth and fifth step, you know, sex inventory is a huge piece of it. So in the book, you know, you the book is very sexed out, right? The book is like <laughs> high sex drive book. And it, and you're, you're cringing when I say that. No, I'm not cringing. I'm just thinking, wow, I don't even think it was. There's not a lot of sex in the right, book, but yeah. there's a lot of like, I want hot guys. Right. I want a lot of orgasms, you know, like a lot of that kind of thing. Right. And before the last relapse, how on was the sex compulsivity? Well, without any judgment, it, by the well, way. You know, I don't. You know, I don't even remember. But you know, right before I moved to Miami, I lived in Delray Beach, Florida. It was, you know, it was. It wasn't bad. It was just like I guess it wasn't. You know, and I'm not the type of person that like goes out and like meets new people and takes them like, first of all, I don't even go out. Second of all, I don't drink, <laughs> you know. So for me, it's like mostly people I know or I've known for a really long time. Like I keep people around for a really long time. So, no, I get it. Yeah. And, and and you describe in the book, you show up in Miami, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like you went to a bar, though. No. Was that, was, where did the coconut guy no, show up? I a friend of mine was visiting from New York. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she calls you. She called me, and she, she was a drunk. And she had vanished for hours on a Saturday and telling me she was going shopping, and I knew she was drinking somewhere. And so she called me at like 4.30 on a Saturday, and she said, hey, I'm at the bar across the street from your house. There was this really hot guy here. I want you to come meet him. And I was so mad at her for being just like disappearing basically the whole weekend. And I was like, no, I'm not coming. 
And then she's like, no, just come, just come. I want you to meet him. And I'm like, no. How did she know him? She met him at the bar. Okay. She was drinking and he was there. And by the way, it's 4.30 on a Saturday. So they were the only two people there. Right. So finally I was like, all right, you know what? I have to walk my dogs. And it's literally across the street. So I'm like, fine, I'll just walk in. So I walk in and she introduces me to this guy and I was like, hi. Like I glanced at him for three seconds because I didn't care. And I was like, hey, how are you? And then I looked at her. I'm like, where the hell have you been? You know? And then I turned back to him and he looks at me and he goes, come here. And so I walked over and I'm in the worst mood right but now. But aren't you wearing like some shirt that says hot girls get so, the blues or something? <laughs> it's a depressed hot girl t-shirt. Right. Because I used to have a blog called Depressed Hot Girl. So I'm wearing that. So I walk over and he like sitting at the bar and he pull and I stand next to him and he pulls me into him like really close. And he like, I'm like, my eyes are like two inches from his eyes and I'm looking in his face and I'm like, this guy's really hot. And like, you have like blue green eyes. And I'm like, all of a sudden, like my tension just like fell off me. But like, he was so ballsy for doing that. Like, I don't know him. And he's like pulling me in and just looked me in the eyes. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, I want to fuck this guy. So <laughs> that was it. And we just talked for a minute. And he's like, let me get your number. And the, the story was, so we ended up hanging out and I ended up getting high with him, you know, long story short. And that triggered, you know, I had just moved. Was he a crazy pothead? Yeah. And an alcoholic. And an alcoholic. And he had like a coconut tattooed on his ass or something. Yeah. yeah. He sold coconuts. And <laughs> how many coconut salespeople do you think are in Florida? That's right now? the thing. Like, this story is just so amazing. And, you know, I went back home and I was like looking at his Facebook page. I mean, this was like eight years ago. And it's like, was insane. It was like just like videos of him like jumping off cliffs backwards and videos of him skiing and being naked and jumping in pools like a maniac. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy's crazy, but cute. And he was also 14 years younger than me. And he, um, he was a nice Jewish guy, right? He's from Vermont. Yeah. And total refreshing character for me because he wasn't from New York and he doesn't give a shit about all the shit that people here care about. And he was just like this happy, carefree, great energy guy. And I'm like, wow, I like, I like this. You know, I've never met anyone like this guy. And when also the funny, when I met him, he, he slept in a race car bed. Well, how, why? He was, well, how old was he when I met him? 32. He had a race car bed and he had a Zac Efron poster hanging why? above it. Because why not? Because he's, he's crazy. But that's like shtick so that when he gets women home, he's, he's like, a, look, I have a race car he's bed. He's a and clown. It, right. You know, he just thought it was funny. And I was like, I was just laughing. I was just like, this is hysterical. Like, I love, you know, this is just, I love this. Anyway, so I wound up getting high with him and that just spiraled me like that. I didn't know anyone in Miami. I was, I just moved there two months ago and I had just also like broken up with another guy like right before that and I was depressed and I just started smoking all the day, all night for two years. And was that period of stonerdom way worse than yeah, the past it was ones? it was probably the worst one. And like, you know, the fact that I was very isolated. I live around the corner from an AA meeting in Miami. Never went. You know. Well, you're smoking bud. Smoked by myself from the second I woke up to the second I went to sleep. I don't know what else I did. I watched my six hundred pound life. I stared at the walls. I all I did was smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. And I met I met a girl who was also a stoner, so we did yoga together. Did your dad support you then? 
Because um, I know what my father's going to say after this interview. What? He's, this is what people say to me often. He's like, well, how did they afford this? How did they well, pay for this? Well, I have, you know, I've had money saved. So you didn't need to be working? No. Okay. And I used to work. I mean, I had my own business for 10 years, but not... What? I'm not judging you. <laughs> That's okay. So, yeah. My father's going to be like, what is this girl doing? Why isn't she I know, working? I know. I was very... So I just felt like I don't have kids. I had no responsibility. Sure. I wasn't working. I had a business that I basically ended when I moved out of Florida. I moved out of New York. So I was like new to the state, new to everything, new nobody. And that was what I did. And I smoked and I was miserable and I was lethargic and I felt like I was dead and I was 47. What happened to the coconut guy? I still saw him. Okay, but I don't remember in the book it ever ending. Yeah, no comment. You're still with the coconut guy? <laughs> You're still with the coconut friends. guy? We're yeah, friends. Okay. He messaged me last night. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I kept him around. I'm like, he's not a bad guy. Um, he, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about him. We're, we're friends, and you know, for many years, yeah, for many years. Can you chill with him years. when he's drinking and smoking? Well, first of all, he's never not drinking, so I guess the proper way to say that is he's always drinking. But what's interesting about him is I've never met anybody like this. Like I, ac- I accept him for who he is. He's not my boyfriend. He's not my problem. You know, I'm not his mother. Like, he can do whatever he wants and he will, but I just know who he is. And he never, ever seems drunk. Like, if he walked in here right now, he might have six beers in him or whatever. You would never know. Him and Brian together. Right. Well, Brian's an animal when he drinks. But this guy is like, you can never tell he's drunk. I don't like to hang out with drunk people, people who are obviously invisibly drunk. That's, to me, that's a big turn off. So, no, this guy's just like, that's how he is. So, well, he's an alcoholic. He's a functional alcoholic. Yeah, he's a total functional alcoholic. And you wound up going to treatment, and you're, like, seeking out the right treatment for you and, like, going through all of these, like... It's a very funny part of the book where you're trying to, like, figure out where you should go for treatment. And, like, you're going to go to one of these really fancy places with fucking views and massages and chefs, but you decide that's not going to get you sober. Right. I had enough common sense and former knowledge to know that, um, yeah, I mean, I had nothing else to do at the time. I was like, I'm going to interview rehabs. You know, I took notes along the way with everything I did because somehow it just became entertaining, you know, calling all these rehabs and asking these ridiculous questions. I'm like, can I bring my dog? And they're like, no, I'm like, I would never bring my dog to rehab. Like, why am I asking them if I could bring a dog? You know, (laughs) did you write an article about it? You should. I actually should, but I, I should. Early in Dopey, we had a guy prank call a rehab asking <laughs> what he could bring. And he, he like said he was a farmer and he wanted to bring <laughs> his sheep. And then there were like animal sounds in the background and right. all this stuff. That's hysterical. But how, how did treatment go? How did you know? Like, obviously, you did it and you're still sober. And you did you use after that? Yeah, I did. What happened? <laughs> Another hot guy vaping. I don't remember that one. I was smoking sober. hash oil I out of a chillum. I, I think I was sober like a week short of a year after rehab. And I don't remember why or how I smoked, but um, that was very short lived. And then I, I traveled a little bit and then I called a friend and I was like, listen, I can't do this. Can you come stay with me for a week? Because I was like, I'm not going back to rehab. 
So I just well, you didn't need to go. You smoked weed. It's so funny when I went to rehab and I heard everybody's stories, which I write about in the book. Yes. When I heard, I think I even used the line like when I heard people that are like, "Oh, well, I, you know, this trans person who became my best friend, Nicole, in the book. Excuse me, my best friend, the most entertaining. Are you still friends? No, she died. Yeah. So how'd she die? OD. What fentanyl? I don't know. So, but like these colorful characters and everyone in rehab was like, you know, half my age. But I remember hearing everyone's stories and I'm like, this is like the second day. I'm like, oh my God, you don't have any problems. You better just get your shit together and go home. You know, like snap out of it. Well, I think it's funny that you relapse after a year and you're like, I have to stop because I don't want to go back to rehab. Mm. But you didn't need to go to rehab. You, I mean, like, I think, and, and I say this with all respect, and you, I mean, obviously when you went, you needed to go because you went. Yeah. When I, and I've been to rehab many times, and I've been to detox like a million it's times. Fun, right, yeah. I mean, I have mixed feelings about I, it. Some people yeah. like it. Yeah. To me, it's like hell. I have mixed feelings about rehab and detox. I know that I don't want to go now, right? When I would go, my life was so bad at that point in my life that it was nice to be with people. Mm. It was nice to have a reprieve from from using. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was it was like that was the only time I ever had yeah. where I wasn't using. It was when I was in one of those places. And I, you know, it's like it's funny because uh I started watching Survivor with my older daughter and it reminds me of rehab. Like <laughs> you're on the outs and you're trying to make friends and you're trying to like work with people so that you don't have to feel like you're alone. And it's like I think a survivor rehab show could be a thing <laughs> like for who doesn't leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember but everything you said about it was like what I hate about it. Like for me to like come down from being high and then be like waking up in a foreign place with complete strangers and having to like mesh yourself with them is like very stressful to me. You know, I'm not, I'm an introvert. You know, I don't want to be like, wake up in the morning after I was high for two years and be like, hey, what's your name? You know, like I want to be the fuck alone. So it was very traumatizing for me. No, I think the fact that- And to be out of my environment and like the food and every little thing, it's just like- No, I think that makes sense. I think the fact that I like take comfort in it is like a a definite red flag against me. No, you're, I know a lot of, I know people that are like, they love to be institutionalized. (laughs) I don't love to be institutionalized, but like I needed people and I didn't have them. I did too. I didn't have them. I did too. I needed them. I didn't want them, but I needed them. So I remember thinking like, okay, you can sit in your room by yourself, but like that's- That's not the point. That's not why you came here. And in the book, you describe like you would sit with them smoking and you wouldn't smoke, Mm -hmm. but like you needed to sit with them smoking. I needed, and I hate cigarettes and everybody smoked but me. And I was like, okay, so I'm probably getting lung cancer from like secondhand smoke, but at least I won't be alone. But I think that's that's a huge thing. And, And I didn't- want it and i and i certainly didn't want to need it but whenever i got there i was very taken with the stories Mm -hmm. i was very taken with any sort of human interaction because it was always these stretches of no interaction so i needed the dynamics and you bond with people so quickly but it's just scary when you first get there yeah and and though and Let's say you don't bond with anybody for a day or two days or three days. Those are long fucking Those days. Those are the long, lonely days. And the first rehab I went to, I didn't like, oh, I bonded with one guy. Yeah. 
who was like also like bisexual, like club kid. Right, you know, right, I pick right. like the most random people to like be my best friend who's also like 20 years younger than me. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just bond with people like that. And and for a woman who might or might not be a sex and love addict, there was no rehab romance in the book. I was waiting. Um, where's the rehab Believe romance? Believe me, I'm sure I wouldn't have passed up on one if there was like... An opportunity. Yeah. But there wasn't. No. Did you ever have a rehab romance in, in any of your rehabs? I only went to two rehabs. And neither. No, but the first one I told you when there was like the, the bisexual club kid and he was like getting off special K and he had a girlfriend and a boyfriend and this was years ago. In the ago. treatment center? No, that but would like be in awesome. his real life and like they didn't know about each other. Right, right. And like he came into my, and he was a cute kid and he came into my room one night and I'm like, should we fool around? Like we didn't even know what we were doing. No, but we didn't. But he was like a cutie. No, no rehab. Romance. I think you might not be a sex and love addict because you never had a rehab romance. I think this is you can put on the is asset. That, that the criteria? The, you could put that in the asset column. Ugh, at least I didn't do that. I mean, I got, you know, I've some boundaries. It's only just because there was nobody, probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Should have went to promises. Maybe I could have. Definitely. Know, yeah. Definitely. You find a catch over yeah. there. I have another question, which is like, you, you, the relapses you had are after long periods yeah. of, of recovery. And there's, I've been hearing more and more people have this conversation that people hate the idea of having this time and then losing their time. Yeah. So they decide that maybe they're not going to mention it or that they didn't lose their time or whatever. I'm of the belief that like you don't lose your time, but you, you start your day count over, but that's yeah. just the way I am. You know, but obviously you learned so much the seven and a half years, the eight years, right. the year. What is your take on that whole conversation? I talked about this recently because when I when I got sober, I was 26. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to relapse. And when I'm 50, whatever, I'm going to have 20 something years. Like that was how I thought. And then when I relapsed the first time, I was devastated that I, quote, lost my time. So, you know, when I relapsed, I was like, well, I only have three days, so I might as well just go get high again which is just like a stupid way, you know, now that I'm older and wiser, you know, so that's how I felt. I was so upset and it's such an ego thing. It's like my time, my time, right. my time. And it's like, you know what? Like you just said, then as I got older and I couldn't stop for five minutes, I was like, I don't give a shit about my time. I want to be sober for one day. I will be happy to not be in this hell for one day. It's, this is not an ego. This isn't a game. You know, this is my life. So I, once I let go of that, you know, when I, what I'm talking about the last relapse, you know, it's just like, please God, like give me one day. I don't care. And the truth is it's like your time, like you, the way you just phrased it, I don't remember exactly. It's like, that's nonsense. You know, you have today and you don't lose the wisdom. You don't lose the knowledge. The experience. Right. And so, you don't even have today. You only have this fucking second. Right. You know, how many days did I get like, hours and then i'm like i'm not doing what it. does it matter you're not gonna win an award you know and it's like you could be sober 20 years and be miserable so 100 percent. you right. could be sober 40 and relapse right because you didn't have a program it's just it doesn't mean anything it's an ego thing and like i i was just happy every day i got further away from using i was like great i have a week i was so happy i had a week you know so that's how i dealt with it but to look at it like that i was young you know, and I was like, oh, my God, my time, my time. It's it's don't look at it that way. But just just be happy you have your sober person. That's it. All right. Yeah. Well, I think this has been very, very illuminating. Is there <laughs> anything you'd like to add? 
Well, that's like a loaded question. I don't know. Maybe there's something you want to add. <laughs> Is there anything that you feel like we didn't talk about that we should? The only thing I like to say, you know, my book is about being addicted to weed, which is, you know, I don't want to say controversial, but what I want to share is the way is the thing that I know weed is like, you know, it's legal now. It's this, the people use it for everything, anxiety, sleep. And I, I think a lot of people, you know, are, you know, addicts who are doing that. That's my opinion. But I think that, you know, and people make light of it, but if you can smoke weed and you enjoy it, or it helps you with X, Y, Z, and it's and you you're have not fun, compulsive. right? But for some, because people are like, oh my god, she smoked weed. Like, no, I smoked weed twenty four seven. So people are not going to have, you know, to relate to that. That's different than getting high once in a while. And you weren't like a hippie. No, I'm like the opposite of hippie. But I and you weren't like sitting around listening to reggae music. Not at all. What were you listening to? And people used to think like I was a coke addict. Like I don't know where the rumor got started, but like I'm like I've never tried coke in my life. I don't know. It's because I'm thin. People well, think have, I do coke. No, because you have like this sort of like upscale vibe. Right. You don't have a stoner but vibe. Exactly. But unless and unless you are a stoner, in which case you can imagine you're just a weird compulsive pot smoking woman. I you know like I mean? being chill. <laughs> like I don't want to be wired. You know. But so yeah, it is a like if I knew me, even even I know me, and I'm like I'm shocked I wasn't a coke addict. You well, know? It's if you if you dressed a little grungier, dirtier, hippier, right, but everyone would know. Right. But because you didn't, I don't. They would assume that you did coke yeah, because like, you're like you have your shit together. Totally. And most stoners kind of don't, although some do, you know. But you're really a committed stoner, which I appreciate. Okay. I appreciate you smoke twenty four seven forever. Disgusting. And now I'm worried about my lungs. Are you? And you? Are you? You're disgusted about my my fantasy, my my old stoner almond brothers fantasy. No, I hear a lot of people talk about that. We used Is to it talk, we used to you? talk about it when I was first. Oh, when we're this age, we're gonna get high, and you know, I don't think I don't think it's ever gonna be good at any point, to be honest. You don't think for me when I'm old, I'll like it better than I like being sober. It's not that. Like, what are you gonna do? I don't know. I'm gonna listen gonna to the Almond Brothers. And and yeah, and yeah. That's what I'm do gonna it. do. Listen, whatever you. No, no. Listen, you're right. I, I think it's funny, like to talk about. Right. The truth is, and I say this all the time, and I want to. I want to hear if, th- if this is your experience as well. Mm-hmm. I'm like fucking high all day, <laughs> you know, sober. Like I'm like I feel like people look at me. They ask me if I'm stoned all the time. I have this kind of permanent stoned thing. And when right. I first stopped smoking weed, like my time, like this run of sobriety is basically off of weed. You know, I stopped mm. doing heroin a, a little while longer. You know, maybe the last time I did heroin was 10 or 11 years ago. And that was one time. And then before that was another two or three years right. before I was addicted to it, whatever. So it's been a long time since I did heroin. When I got sober, it was off of weed and I missed it. And I remember I would... uh I would pantomime like having a roach between my thumb and my fingers and like hit it right. and I could feel high. I watch people in movies, like if someone's smoking a joint or a cigarette, I feel like I'm the one inhaling. Like I watch them inhale and I physically feel what that feels like. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But um I haven't drank in almost twenty seven years. There you go. I put that so out. on none of those relapses did you have a drink? No. Why not? No interest. Because that would fucking destroy destroy you. me. See, I was talking to a friend of mine who's like horrible alcoholic and he he used to do a lot of drugs and I was asking and he I think he just got a year, you know, which was a miracle mm-hmm. like like this guy. 
And I was telling him about like my weird stoner fantasies. And I don't even know why. I don't really have them. Mm. I'm not like compulsively waiting to smoke weed. <laughs> I just think it's funny to have the stoner fantasy, I think. Right. And I love stoners. And he was like, I was like, do you have any fantasies about drinking? And he was like, maybe I have fantasies about smoking weed, but drinking was so fucking poisonous mm. and toxic. And it's, and I mean, that's the interesting thing. It's like weed is not like that weed is not like heroin or coke or or crystal meth or or alcohol in that it will toxically destroy you mm. it is however innocuous and sucks the life out of 100%. you exactly the way you describe you know i think i switched from like alcohol to weed at a certain point because um it made me calm and quiet like i'm not dancing on a table right you know and i'm like first physically my stomach was a wreck and just the physical stuff with alcohol is so awful. But um, I'm just, like, I literally think alcohol is poison for me. And there's not one good thing that would come out of me having a drink. Not one. But you also were never, like, on benzos. Like, were you ever addicted oh, to... Oh, I, ter- I was terrified of pills. Because I've seen the detox. I've seen people detox off pills. I'm like, I will never take pills. See, I found that... So you, I think you have a similar you know, biochemical makeup that I do only that I really got into pills. Like, and I really got into benzos and like, and it did for me exactly what we did, but way more. Mm. And I can tell that the weed is an anti-anxiety for you. It's an anti, yeah, but it's a depressant. Right. And you, and you're prone to depression as well. So I'm like, this makes zero sense. None of it made sense. You don't like the way this is ending. I can tell. <laughs> I can tell. No, this is good. How I do mean, we end it? How do no, we end it on a good note? This is uh, no. I think it's important because listen, I don't think I was prone to depression. I've never had a life, you know, a tenth good as my life is now when mm. I was using. Like not even close. And the greatest thing I have in my life is potential. You know, possibility. Of course. And all that shit is sucked out. And like, I I mean, that's why my fantasy involves me being too old to have any potential. That's so funny. You know? Yeah, like when you're getting high. Like, if I accomplished the littlest thing when I was getting high, I was like, I can do See, look. I can do it. I can do it and be high. Like, you know, but, and I, the, I just want to say like how so many addicts are like, oh, it's my, it makes me so creative. And, you know, that's just an excuse. When I was, when I was, in my last run, I was pretty creative. I'm not saying I wasn't, but like, there's so much, it's not a reason to stay high. The, no. the, the negatives outweigh the positives. And I, I'm not here advocating. If you're advocating. creative, you're going to be creative no matter what, you know? No, me creative on both. I thought the sex was amazing. I'm like, I'm never going to give up weed because the be- orgasms are so great. Literally, I was like, I'm never going to give, I'm never going to stop. And I'm like, you're going to stop because your whole life is a fucking disaster. So were the orgasms as good? Yes. Okay. Should we end on that? We, we could, <laughs> but I wanted to say one other thing, which was that, when I was in this, my, cause like, I think I'm in my most creative phase of my life right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to put out a fucking show every week and I'm like ridiculously invested in this process and I really love it. And the last weed run, I did a, a web series like, and, and I did three episodes of that in a year, you know, I, and, and it's like, it's like the amount of, of ability to produce. It's like, I can do like a hundredth if yep. I'm, if I'm stoned, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm, smoking the way you mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. smoke. And I think, uh, yeah, let's end on the orgasm thing. Are the orgasms as good now as they were when you were high? They're better. All right, thank you. 
All right, that was fucking Pam Gaslow. What'd you think? Pam Gaslow, fucking, <laughs> what I think? Yeah. Long Island, shout out to Long Island. Shout out to the fucking um, vibrating toothbrush. Shout out to uh, not having an orgasm in 16 days. Isn't it interesting though, the idea of just being on Bud? Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I, good on her, you know? I don't, I'm not. Have I'm you not encountered capable. any people who are just total potheads, never went to anything else, and got to a state where they needed help for it? That's crazy to me, you know? It is crazy to me. She was a big drinker, too. She was an alcoholic. Yeah. She was a bad alcoholic, she, but she, she beat that. And then the real thing that really boggled my mind yeah. is she got seven and a half years and she relapsed. And I have seven and a half years now. Then she got eight years and she relapsed That's again. crazy. It's and crazy. she got another three years and here she is. And it's like. That's crazy. I think it's funny how uh, she was writing her goodbye letter to Bud. <laughs> and you were writing it that way. Yeah, missing my Bud. And, and like, <laughs> but I think like really what it comes down to is like, what do you do to take yourself out of your head? And, it's true. And Pam drank. And she smoked weed and she dealt with dudes. Yeah. And I mean, like, we've never talked about your potential as a sex addict. Yeah. You're making a face. You don't like this stuff. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to deal with that. I don't think, like, yeah. Well, you've, de well, we've actually talked about this. We've talked a time. bit. You've definitely used sex to not connect yourself on that yourself. on that respect like i can see why you can be fucking like need help for smoking weed or need help for fucking gambling gambling or sex, or, or sex for you're like Devon, <laughs> i'm just so, so, so sex uh, yeah i, I can you. see it because it does it's just doing the same trick maybe not as fucking crazily but it's like doing like a basic same trick well, you know the trick is it makes you feel accepted. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel cool. Mm -hmm. It makes you love yourself when you hate Wait, yourself, yep, which yep. I know you can relate to that. Yep. Fucking Hell yeah. So this is what fucking meeting is. This, you, this has morphed your brain, huh? You're able to say shit like that because of, of your fucking program. You know that? You're a fucking wisdom, wisdomatic. You well, like that word? You You're a wisdomatic me. guy. You love me because I'm funny and have a little bit of wisdom, but I'm telling you, I only have anything because I have a little bit of time. You have fucking like a, a 12 hours. 12 hours. You know, stack that up a little bit and you will have wisdom too. I doubt it. Not like you. Yes, you will. Another important thing that people have to know mm. is to, if you want to support Dopey, you sign up for fucking Patreon. It's a must. Because Patreon, there's tons of extra stuff. There was even extra you stuff one like week. a dollar or something? You can spend a dollar and get a lot of access to extra stuff. Just, just fucking go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. And now I want you to hear a voicemail. Oh, okay. You want to hear a voicemail? I'm not sure. Why not? It's not I'm about. Always, I'm always timid when you ask, ask for one of your. That's because of that guy who said you were a piece of shit. <laughs> it's totally traumatized you, right? It totally <laughs> traumatized like you. Can't even. Yeah, PTSD. Hey, what's up, Dave, dude? My name is Sam. I'm calling in this uh, dopey story from about this time last year. It's kind of a fucking long one, so I'm just going to jump right into it, man. It's uh, this one night. It's about like 10 p.m., and my phone starts blowing up, dude. It's the plug. He's telling me I need to get the fuck downtown right now to pay him back for this front. You know, I'm like, all right, no big deal, dude. You know me. I'm on the way, but my car's in the shop, so I line up a couple of fucking stops while I'm down there to make some money and hop into Uber. I pack my backpack up because I know it's going to be a long night, right? Anyways, I take the Uber downtown San Diego. I get to the fucking hotel. 
I'm like waiting for this dude to answer the phone, but he never does, dude. I'm like, damn, the motherfucker finally fell asleep, probably. You know, he's been awake for weeks and now he's asleep, bro. Now that I'm here, I'm standing in the fucking hood, dude. I got a backpack full of fucking cash, Xanax, crystal. I'm like, fuck this, dude. I need to keep it rolling. So I call up this dude who needs a zip. He comes and picks me up. Gives me a ride to the next location, right? Which is this fucking gay orgy, which is not my scene. But, you know, I'm happy for the boys having a good time. I pop in and out real quick because I'm fucking missing uh, the leader of G that they wanted from me, right? So I give the dudes the other shit they need and I fucking keep it rolling, dude. Now I, I pop back out on the streets. I'm at this, uh, I need somewhere to go. So I hit up this little Mexican restaurant. I'm eating a burrito. And I'm waiting for my chick to come give me a ride. While I'm eating the burrito, dude, I, I start fucking hanging out with this chick who's smoking fennel in the corner down there, right? And it turns out she's Aryan Brotherhood and her brothers are going to help me out get the fucking G that I need, you know? So now I'm kind of fucking attached to this girl because I need her to help me out so I can finish my previous stop, right? Anyways, my girl gets down there and uh, to pick me up and I ask her like, hey, can we give this girl a ride? And uh, she's like, yeah. So, I, so now I'm driving my girl's car my girl's in the passenger seat. This Aryan Brotherhood chick is in the back with her two fucking big ass pit bulls, dude. Anyways, we go to make the next stop, which is a bottle of Xanax to the older homie in the bloods, right? And I get there. He's outside with his pit bull, fucking dog barking at this other girl's pit bulls. So I got the bloods and the Aryan Brotherhood pit bulls fucking barking each other down and shit. And like the, the blood homie's like, yo, tell her to get her pits out, out, out the car. I'm like, fuck this shit, dude. Let's keep it rolling. So I get back in the car and we fucking go to drop off this Aryan brotherhood chick since her brothers aren't answering i can't get the g anyways i take her to her stop but there's no one fucking there and so i'm like damn dude i don't want to leave her high and dry so we go get we all get a hotel room me and my girl are fucking smoking crystal fucking having sex and we're just like hoping that this chick's gonna join in right but all the while she's just crying into her phone smoking fentanyl texting her ex and uh, when the sun comes up, dude, I look over and I mean, I know who I'm rolling with, but I did not expect to see the Aryan Brotherhood chick with a massive swastika on her chest, dude. Anyways, sun's up now. I'm like, fuck this. I'm trying to go home. Also, probably should see the plug now that it's the morning time, right? So me and my girl leave the Aryan Brotherhood chick in the hotel there. We pop over to my plug's house where I pay the dude back for everything. And I grab all the G, and I grab the G that I was supposed to bring to the fucking gay orgy, right? So now I'm driving my girl's car. We're all fucking loaded up. We just got to make this one last stop to finish off this fucking horrible night of missions, right? But he's not answering, dude, the dude who needs the G, right? So I'm like, what the fuck, man? Uh, anyways, it's time to go home dude i'm like fuck this so i'm like as i'm about to hit the freeway and drive home my girl has a little freak out when she realizes like how much fucking crystal we're rolling with like, you know like a half pound or whatever plus everything else and she fucking hops out of her own car at a stoplight so now i'm in a panic thinking she's gonna call her call call her a car in stolen and shit but i don't know what to do so like i'm like fuck this dude i just keep a mobbing dude i keep taking the freeway all the way back home like 45 minutes i park her car at a cvs like a drugstore down the way go back into my apartment and fucking try to relax eventually she shows up like an hour and a half later she took the train all the way up there and uh she comes in my apartment and you know while we're I'm trying to just like unwind it, uh, you know, but everything's going wrong. And of course, like the ultimate fucking thing going wrong is that I get a call from this dude who need the, the dude who need the G, right? His, his ex-husband calls me, tells me that he just fucking died in that hotel room last that night, dude. Fucking having a gay orgy with the bros, which I guess is probably how he might have wanted to go out. But I guess not really. Anyways, like that was a real, real, real fucked up night because it was just long. It was exhausting. 
but it was honestly pretty typical of like everything that was going around and like the way I was living my life. You know, it was nothing out of the ordinary, just like something I can remember because it all happened in a 24-hour span. Anyways, uh, I hope there's not too much noise because I'm recording this shit by the beach right now in Indonesia. Anyways, take care, brother. I hope you're doing well. Much love, Dave, and toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. See, that's like a classic Fentanyl J kind that's of dopey a, that's story. That's a dopey story right there. That's a lot. There's a lot of lot of stuff happening. Lots there. on pack. Shout yeah. out to the bros. That's yeah. Shout out to the gay orgy. Yeah. Amazing. And I bet you can you can relate to that experience. Oh, definitely. You've been in situations oh, with like definitely. tens, ten stops. Definitely. And that's Sam. And Very he's, relatable. And now he's in Indonesia, chilling Good. by the beach. Fuck yeah, Sam. Good on you, cuz. This has been a high-paced, action-packed episode of Dopey. Before we go, mm. I would like to go back. I want to do two things. First mm. thing, the, la- the last time you hit your neck with crack, do you remember it? I don't remember the last time, but I remember when I used to do it all the time. I do. I was in fucking Pompano Beach in Florida. Oh, boy. Yeah. Shout out to Pompano Beach. Big shout out to Pompano Beach. Best crack in the world. So <laughs> What'd you say? Best crack in the world. Why? That's the best crack in the I world? So. I don't know. Pompano I, I haven't crack been beats, through the world, but. Pompano I, crack beats Long Island crack. Oh. And, and San levels, Diego crack. Levels. And, and Arizona crack. Levels. But Pompano specifically. Pompano. There's a guy who listens to the show from Pompano named Scott Wick. Yeah. Shout out to Wick. It's big Scott. I don't know if he smoked any crack in Pompano. He was a crazy cokehead. I wonder if Scott Wick, is that true? Is that, no, it is that was, a legend? It was just Pompano crack. The best, All right, bro. so back to Pompano. So I'd fucking go if you're from Pompano, Scott Wick, you know where the fuck I'm talking about. I'd go on Sample Road. There's a little Wawa right on the corner. I'd keep going. Shout out to Wawa. Big shout out to Wawa. We need those. I'd fucking cross over to the west side of the train tracks. And you know what goes on in Pompano, west side of the train tracks, you know? Crystal Lakes, fucking Golden Arches. I go to those projects and I'd fucking get crack. I mean, I've done some other crazy shit for those fucking Haitian motherfuckers down there. Like fucking crazy, crazy, what? crazy shit. Give us the number one before we go. What I've done for these Haitian motherfuckers? Yeah. I can tell. I can tell something so better is coming to I got into some that. business down there too, you know? It was hard to crack into business down there, but I cracked into the business down there because I came friends with a lot of people, you know? That was like before. That's like when I started really getting a lot of pills and I was able to transport them across the country. You know, I started getting the business down there. At one point in time, this guy, his, if you notice, every fucking like hood rat like haitian dude down there they'll give if they don't know you very very well they'll give you like a white ass name like what's your name they'll be like steven or brandon or fucking joey or something yeah 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 exactly all of them so this one's name was brandon we call i called him brando bro he'd fucking he would lay out places like of other i guess other drug dealers other rival gang i don't know people that he didn't like and he'd lay out places for like me one of my homies matt his little brother, like this kid, we'd all go and we'd fucking rob him. We, he'd give us, we'd all have guns. He'd send you on a he'd mission to go rob rival to go dealers. Rob all the other dealers, yeah. And we because he couldn't do so it. So who would be in the crew? So he couldn't do it. It'd be me, one of my homeboys, Matt, his little brother. I don't know if it was actually his little brother, but so he it wasn't said it was an all Haitian brother. crew. No, was, no, 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 no. It was a non-Haitian crew. Well, his crew was all Haitian crew, but, but then he would, I'd bring my homeboy in, and then you know he'd have a couple of his. So he would be like sub subcontracting to the non-Haitian, so it couldn't be go back. So to So he's him. not fucking with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So then, and I'm like, fuck it, bro. I'm with everything. You know, 
I don't care. And I, it's not, and he was so like, did you wear like, did you time. like tie a, a bandana? bandana I've bandana it. I've hat load, hat low bandana. This was before like ski masks were a thing. It was before COVID. This was like before, you know, ski masks were still a thing, but like it wasn't like fucking prevalent like they are now, you know? Worst situation that happened. I fucking ran inside this house, kicked the door open. High. You're high. High as fuck. Just high, just like regular high, actually. Not like, no crack. Not high. like create no, like fucking couple pills, like fucking chilling high. I did crack was like an endeavor that I do because I was with this chick, Kate, who who liked to smoke crack. We've heard about Kate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She liked she liked that shit. You used and, to blow coke up Kate's asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meth and yeah. injected in yeah. there. Yeah, we've done all sorts of shit. Yeah. Crazy shit. She liked to smoke crack. I didn't even like crack at all. I like fucking downers and coke sometimes, you know? But I had inject coke, you know, so this goes back to the crack. So every day, this is when we were at it. This is when we were bad, you know, because we had money and we were doing lots of drugs. So this is when we were bad. We'd fucking ride around down there. I'd fucking go to the west side of the tracks on Pompano. There's a little IHOP over there right right before you cross over. I'd get, there's also this, oh, I forget what it's called. This little piece of shit gas station on the south side of Sample Road. It's like a little red gas station, right? Not too far in. Fucking, I'd go, I'd get the crack right there. I'd go down that block. She'd smoke her shit. She'd smoke it. I'd fucking put it in the cap. I'd fucking, I'd go get like lemon juice or, or lime juice from Wawa. Fucking put that shit in there. Fucking draw it up in the needle. And then I'd start driving, right? And when I'm driving, that's when I, and I'm, I'm a vascular guy, you know? Like I've never had a tie off ever. Like I'm just a vascular dude, you know? So I'd be like, all right, Kate. And I'd like hold my breath. And I'd be like, all right fucking hit me bro hit me and i just be driving right and kate would hit you hit, hit me in my neck i could do it too but i'm driving you know so that's crazy this is all crazy. you shouldn't shouldn't fucking inject crack while driving but if, if you, you are do. have your fucking homeboy do it or your homegirl have someone do it don't do it yourself have you ever hit yourself while you were driving definitely in the neck, in the neck no uh the neck's tough but like yes. anywhere else fucking every so day so kate's bro. hitting Easy. you in the neck she hit me driving. in the neck right but that's on the robbery run no 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 this okay. is just regular okay. this is just like regular shit I, I saw spin back there i guess but yeah i'd fucking i fucking would have her clap my neck and then before i know it i'd be like <sighs> all my breath would be gone right one time she did it and i and whatever we got what do you mean clap your neck fucking jab right, me right, you right. know and whether and no matter what i got bro if it was 20 dollars, 40 dollars, i didn't get a lot of crack she got a lot of crack you know i just get like a little bit that but I you'd could always do want to hit in your i'd always want something yes. yeah yeah i'm not gonna go by with nothing you know one time i'm fucking driving i had a honda accord down there a v6 little honda accord i'm fucking driving fucking jammy bro immediate bleh, fucking vomit everywhere all over myself all over my lap bro and now i'm so fucking high that i'm getting tunnel vision like if you do too much like a lot of crack you'll get tunnel vision literally like tunnel vision like all you see is like the distance. smaller and smaller and smaller and i'm like fuck and i'm trying to grab the wheel and i'm just like slipping and fucking puke it was disgusting but i was like holy shit i was so fucking high bro I feel like you threw up in the last story too. I probably in did. The strawberry smoothies like, from McDonald's. No, no, that shit just splashed me. Oh no, you're just that shit splashed always me something hard. Yeah. But so I want to hear what happened mess. when you're doing these invasions. Oh well, a lot of them were just smooth, honestly. But one of them wasn't so smooth. What was the worst? So one, one? of the worst one was when I was with I was with my homeboy Matt. I was with two other kids. Fuck, I can't even remember. This is like five years. Ago. I can't even remember the name. We fucking go in. We kick down this door, or, or no, 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 no. We had one kid knock on the door, right? A kid that like like a drug addict like kid that knows him knocks on the door when they see it was him they opened up the door for him boom then we kick down then we kick 
kicked the door open, you know, and all ran with guns. But this kid had a gun in his hand, like for someone that was fucking opening the door. He didn't know who it was anyway, right? The door guy. Yeah. On the yeah, other side of the door. On the other side of the yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. So the fucking guy, when we kick open the door, it like fucking pushes the whole door back into him, you know? So it kind of like falls back. You had a moment of I, advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As he's falling, we hear shots go off. Boom, 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 boom. We're like, oh, fuck. So immediately my, my homeboy Trey goes over there and fucking pistol whips him. Like, it wasn't a pistol. It was like it wasn't a shotgun either. It was like a Drake. It was like a fucking you'd call it a Draco, like a fucking automatic, like basically an automatic. Yeah, but but a little one. It's hard. It's like a little one. He bops him right right in this shit. Probably knocks his teeth out like real bad because this kid's like KO and concert, whatever. There's a girl inside. They're like, oh, where's the fucking you know? Where's it with their shit on the table? We're like, oh, where is everything? Where's the fucking dope? Where's the fentanyl? Where's the money? Where's the drugs? Where's the coke? Whatever. We get everything we could. This all happened. What do you think you got out of there? This all happened so fucking fast. What I get out of it? it like I, I like. What do you think you took out of the spot? Like how much? Tens of thousands. Really? Yeah. Over and how fast? Over are ten thousand. We're at, we're out in four minutes. And what are you saying? Thanks. Now at this point. There's only we, th so we suspected there was only that girl there, right, and the kid that's knocked out, right. So we gather everything up, over ten thousand, easily over ten thousand dollars of stuff. And like I said, the, the what do you say to those people in the apartment? Fucking lay down and stay down, you know, like fucking moving off, fucking blow your brains out, like literally, like like yeah, that kind of shit, anything that, that else? kind of shit, like. Nah, like, it's like cause sometimes, like, not me, but, like, the people I'm with will just fuck, just to show that they mean fucking business, they'll fucking clap somebody, you know? Right. Also, when I got robbed in California, I got fucking clapped up pretty good. I think I showed you that fucking video with my eyes all fucked up. Yeah, so that's a, that's a story for another day. It's a fucking good one. All right, so you, you, you so get, we get all the shit, right? Yeah, we're in and out, right? Before we make it to the car, we, I, from what I guess now, I didn't know this at the time, there was another guy or in the house that we didn't fucking know. We didn't like sweep it, you know? Right, 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 right. There's another guy in the house. So then he comes out fucking shooting up the car, shooting at the car. And now we're fucking freaking out because shots already went off. We're afraid of the cops. Luckily, it's like fucking a th everything was within a five minute drive, a seven minute drive of where we're going back to. Every time we did it, it's like all fairly and they local knew stuff. Who you were. Never, no, never, never caught back. But when he was shooting out the fucking at the car, he shot out a tire. He shot out the tire. So now the wheel is cranked like this way, like to go straight. Because if you blow out a tire and you're riding on a rim, that's what happens. Your shit like turns a little bit. So we're like, oh, fuck. Now we're all freaking out. Like, is anyone here doing it? We drive however many minutes it was, seven minutes, all on this fucked up tire because we're not fucking stopping. Now we've got fucking massive amount of drugs in the car, massive amount of drugs, in the, uh, guns in the car, fucking whatever. But then... Like I said, we we thought we were in and out. You're not going to stop to change your tire. What's up? Yeah, you know? We thought this kid was fucking KO, you know? We thought we were good. We're fucking like basically calm. Yeah, not calm because your adrenaline's racing, but like, right, we're, we're we good. Won. Yeah, Victory. it's done. Cool. And then we fucking, then all of a sudden, like, before we even make it in the car, we start hearing the fucking gunshots. And we're like, oh, fuck. Like, this just started up again. Now we're, now we're in, fried. Like, what? No, no. They just ran outside shooting, I guess. No one got shot or anything time which was good crazy yeah but fucking yeah and like and i said the guy that put us up to it didn't even want anything he just wanted us to rob them and then you kept everything me we split it up amongst ourselves i think he kept the cash i think we kept everything else all right i've got a couple questions mm. question number one how does it make you feel to tell these stories now because it gets you fucking jacked it's up. like reminiscent i swear to god if somebody like linda and susan just walked into our house 
while you were telling the story. And when Susan came in and Linda came in, you were jacked the fuck uh, was up. I, was I jacked? Yeah, and I could imagine that people Because I'm like might, reliving it in my right. brain, you know? And then, But the more important question is, because you've done all this stuff, how difficult does it make you think you can live differently? That's the other, how difficult does it, and not like it was fun, but it was fun. It was fun, but it was also, you were addicted to this lifestyle. Yeah, and, sure. and I think, knowing you pretty well, that it's like, you don't think that you can do anything else. That's what it is. That's what, that's the prevention. That's what prevent. it's like, what else, what else, you know, what else? I don't think it's like, I don't think you want to be older than you were doing no, shit No, like I don't want to be as old as I am now. I feel like it's more like you can't be the same person that did that and do something good. What else do I know? True. A, for a long time. That's what, that was the major, th that's why I never had a job in my life. That's why where I'm working now is my first job. I've had it for like I know, 10 but months. But they fucking, you, you excelled to the point where they promoted you to manage the place within 10 months and you drinking like a degenerate fucking total alcoholic. So like I transferred a lot of skills into this job though. Of course, a lot of people skills, a lot of fucking you billion know, percent get to the top skills fast, you know. But that's what I'm talking about, bigger picture. Yeah. And I want you to realize that you can you can be somebody else. That just because you did one thing doesn't mean you can't be somebody else. Yeah. Me and Jay are fucking sitting in my dining room. Yo. My fucking four-year-old runs in, <laughs> throws her arms around Jay. My beautiful fucking wife comes in. <laughs> so happy to see Jay. And like, Jay, I was strung out on methadone, fucking alone, broke. I was never in gunfights, but I was a fucking waste of a human being mm. just on drugs. Mm. And now I have this beautiful you life. You have a beautiful life. Only because I got sober. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I mean, like, I had some skills here and there that translated to this yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's the true. same story. And I don't want to be like, I can do it, you can do it. Yeah, but yeah, I do want to be true. like, I was fucked. You yeah. know, you don't know me when I was fucked, yeah. but I was fucked. I can, I can picture. There's some people that I can't even picture right. being fucked, though. Right. I can picture you, you can being. Picture <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody else once said that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. And um, listen, I love it when you come on the show. Oh, tonight, tonight, you say you're going to go drink fucking tequila the last kiss good night i say don't i say you've had right. enough last kisses good night and the next time you come on the show you're counting days again yeah and we're planning like spiritual alignment yeah spiritual alignment is gonna be huge fuck that shit like let's let's get fucking there. get to it let's get there jay thank you thanks, thank you babe. pam gaslow thanks pam check out go buy the book don't bring your vibrator to rehab don't do it and uh next week you're gonna be back with some time Yep. You're down? I'm down. You're making a commitment? I'm down. The whole enchilada? The whole fucking 95% of the We're enchilada? We're doing the enchilada. The full thing? Yes. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch this aeroplane just pass me by 
And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand they pay it any mind When I leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road however far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I wanna call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I wanna call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had